Hey, look at that. It's Tara Olson. As it so happens, right after I recorded our Dave Reacts, which you should check out on our YouTube channel and actually on our TikTok and Instagram accounts, we were able to actually post the full reaction video since it was under 10 minutes. I had contacted Teo out of the blue just thanking him for portraying Sebastian Milton in such a nuanced and thought-provoking way. Now, I know that a lot of writing is involved in the process that is outside his purview. However, one of the things we spoke about during our interview was how much control he had over the character and how much liberty he had to go back and forth with not only the writers but producers and directors to make his character his own. So after I thanked him, he actually reached out to me the next day and wanted to know what our discussion was going to be like and I said we were going to be recording later that evening and that maybe he could even pop on. Well, he wasn't able to actually pop on to this episode's discussion. However, he did want to hear how it shook out, and he said, why don't we just jump on a call and talk about how it all went down? This was his idea, and I said, I am totally game. Here's what we decided to talk about. We talked, obviously centered around, around Bastion Milton, his role in the show, how it felt to keep everything to himself, whether he was satisfied with the end product, and his love and devotion to not only the narrative, but also the fans people like us and what was great about it by the end of it was that he said at the end of our discussion that he was going to shout us out during his Instagram takeover and I kind of went silent at that point because I mean it was very shocking and jarring but when it actually happened I was shaking I was beside myself so before we continue playing this conversation I just wanted to give a hearty thanks to Taylor Appleson for a his friendship b his support of our podcast he took over the walking dead's instagram and shouted us out not only once in the stories but twice i i have no words to properly thank him for doing that i don't even know if he knows how big of a deal that was for us how many followers were received on instagram as a result of that so just thank you there's nothing i can do but continue to have you on the show if you'd like to be <laughs> And maybe send you some merch. I can do that. And I'll definitely be seeing you at the camp, which is at the end of the month. I hope you all will make it. And you can hang out with Teo and find out exactly why we love him so much and what makes him such an incredible person. So without further ado, here's our discussion on the episode, Sebastian Milton, and much, much more as we get the last word for Teo Rap Olsen. And I'm here with, again, a... A repeat of Teo Rap Olsen. Thank you for joining us yet again with us no on a busy problem. Sunday morning, Sunday yeah. afternoon. Someday. Yeah. And uh, Someday. we've got, obviously, Cosmob09, Rachel Burt, and uh, Bridget, ko-shavai.com slash punkybrewster. That's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. <laughs> wow. I talk fast, but I can't even do it that fast. First of all, you're, you're taking over the Instagram, uh, the Instagram account for the AMC The Walking Dead. Second, you'll be on Talking Dead tonight. But I think, mm -hmm. was that pre-taped, I think? or This was one was uh, was because a lot of people, obviously, are jumping up for Comic-Cons, things like that. So we had to get that a little earlier in. That makes sense. Okay. When we were speaking at the museum, I felt like you were not going to say anything that was going to give anything away. But I felt like you needed to tell the audience, Sebastian wasn't that bad or there's, there's, something, there's something about him that you need to pay attention to in order to fully appreciate this character. I saw a little of that in 11B and I got to see a whole lot of that. 
in these last two episodes, mostly 1118. Was there anything you maybe wanted to add as like an addendum to what you probably wanted to say the day of? Like, were there things that you kind of, yeah, like, I mean, there must no, have been no, like I mean, I, part I mean, of you that yeah. wanted to say more. Well, first and foremost, as, as silly as it is, there's kind of a relief to this because I've had to sit on this and not say anything and constantly <laughs> monitor myself. Like, I didn't say anything, right? There's nothing that like, no, Angela was going to call me up and, uh, you know, the word is graceful. Monitoring. She's she's monitoring the squawking dead like crazy. It's it's nuts. she totally yeah. is. She's, by the way, very terrifying. Um, no, <laughs> um, but uh, but no, I I I I thought you know it's something that you filmed forever ago, and you don't necessarily know how it's going to be received um, at all. So you know, I I had intentions behind my portrayal of this character and my choices, but I don't know if that's necessarily what the audience is going to pick up on. And so far, at least from everybody's. Uh, reactions. It does feel like uh, a lot of that landed the way I was hoping it would, uh, because a big thing for me that I always loved about The Walking Dead, and we talked about this definitely, which was that it, it is not a black and white show. It's a very moralistically gray space uh, where good guys will do bad things and bad guys will do good things. What I wanted people left with is Sebastian isn't necessarily just this pure evil thing. And while obviously we've seen him be nothing but a little shit most of the time, um, <laughs> It's still, you know, we know that there's a person behind that and there's a, a method to the madness. And maybe there's a world where, you know, given other circumstances, he wouldn't have gone this way, which I think just leads you to have a little bit more, you know, question of like, oh, is this the only choice when you have to make these snap decisions and everything is normally based on life or death? You don't always get the luxury of making the best decision. You just have to make the quickest decision. At first, obviously, when we first meet him, it's just all... Er, 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 let's be mean and awful and spoiled and etc. Near the end of 11B, like I said before, you got this glimmer. And oddly enough, the glimmers that we got to see with Sebastian of like, there's something underneath all of this Yeah, was the both scenes were with Max. And what I'm feeling from this, and, and the more like these episodes kind of marinate with me, uh, 1118 more, they're this weird yin-yang foil of each other where... Mm -hmm. You're supposed to like Max, but then you're not sure by the end of the episode. And mm -hmm. you're supposed mm -hmm. to hate Sebastian. And yet by the end of it, you're like, but I saw that when he was when he was saying what he was saying on yeah. the wrestling stage, he's looking right at Max. Is, is that accurate? He's looking right at Max when he says this. Mm -hmm. He's like, maybe you're right. Maybe I should mm -hmm. lean into this life and do some good with what i know yeah did you see it that way and were you hoping that audiences would maybe see it that way yeah no i mean 100 percent uh there's a line that she says to him um and i'm gonna butcher it now but basically she's saying like maybe you're afraid to rise to the occasion because you might fall on your face but you know that if you don't ever try nobody's ever gonna like think less of you and I think he takes that to heart because it would be easy for him to just read verbatim off of a script that was clearly written by some, you know, person working in the office and that has no personality to it. But he drops it and speaks truly from the heart and tries something that he could so easily fall on his face. And we see him actually deliver a decent speech. And, you know, we know because when he walks up to the podium or, uh, you know, into the center of the ring. The reception, obviously, for the audience is is not very warm. And by the end, there is applause. There is a sense of like, okay, maybe maybe this is a corner he could turn. And in another world, if somehow Max decided like, ah, maybe maybe let's give him a shot. We don't have to press play. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe this would have been an opportunity for him to grow into a better person than he has been. But I think the big thing that I kind of also wanted to leave is we just don't know.
you know, that it could be, it also could be that he's like, hey, got away with it. Sweet. Let me go right. back to being a you complete <laughs> asshole. Um, right, which is probably why she ended up pressing the button. Or I mean, Eugene I, press I, the button. I certainly think that it, it, she is justified in that he's done too little too late. The speech that he gives to her, which I you know, absolutely loved, like prepping that, is completely honest and from the heart. And I don't think it's like an evil thing. I think it's just a very pessimistic look. And that's kind of her going like, what good is there worth fighting for if you don't even see how good this could potentially be? The fact that like we have a nation state, we have a place where so many of the people behind these walls don't have to worry about zombies anymore. That's insane. That is unheard of for these people. And you're still looking at it from the like, it's just a cesspool of corruption. Right. Yeah. But you guys have the ability to not make it that. And that's going to be the struggle, I think, with these last episodes is like Mm -hmm. seeing that and going, but, but, and we actually do see the myriad of characters interact with their counterparts, uh, Rosita and Gabriel and uh, Negan and Annie even. And it's like, yeah, but okay. But yeah, but (laughs) mm." so, so we're, we're struggling with that. We're struggling with it's good, but, but is it good enough? Mm-hmm. Should we th- strive for better? But if yeah. it burns the whole thing down, like Lance says, yeah. then what's it worth? This specific episode is almost a microcosm of what we've seen from these characters across 11 seasons. Let's take Negan and the Saviors, the all-out war storyline. Yeah. Rick is constantly fighting back, expecting better. Now, he could have probably... And he did, eventually, when he was beaten to submission, continue servicing the saviors, and things might have been okay. Maybe they could have built on top of that relationship. Maybe it didn't have to be about fear. You never know. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he kept hitting back, hitting back. People got killed because of it, one by one, the whole junkyard gang so what's it worth if we're burning literally burning our people yeah. down, right so th- so yeah. this is kind of like a small microcosm first world problems version of that like mm-hmm. in a sense because it can easily turn to third world but are we in a better place or are we not in a better place this is one of those things i think that's going to be revealed right yeah well there's also the question of is it worth i mean you're getting at this but is it worth fighting for that better place knowing that there's already problems here is it worth just running away from them and trying to restart somewhere else and that's kind of what we see with daryl and and uh, judith when she's talking about, like, why do you want to run away from this? Like, this is the closest thing we've had to normal. I think it's worth fighting for rather than leaving it to go back to Alexandria or, you know, Hilltop or any of these kind of places which are, like, on their last legs to begin with. It reminds me of the conversation that we saw between John Dory and Virginia. People want to feel safe, but mm. actually making them safe is better. Are the people in the Commonwealth actually safe, or do they just want to feel safe? And mm-hmm. what's, what's actually being provided for these residents? Which is to say... Is Sebastian 100% right? He says it out loud. He says everything that is wrong with the Commonwealth out loud. It's just crazy, like how many times The Walking Dead has has given us these characters that we think we think we know how they are, who they are, Mm -hmm. and they're they're this way, they're this way, and then all of a sudden we see this different side to them, and we're like, maybe they could be something else, and then they kill them off. (laughs) It's like (laughs) we could have, this character could have been could have been so much more. And and as a comic book reader. Mm-hmm. You know, especially I think I have Sebastian all figured out, right? Like I know yep. who he is because I read yep. about him in the books. But, yep. but you know, you can make him c- something completely different, yeah. and it just it sucks now that we don't get to see this potential that we could have had. You know, Dante, I'm sorry. Another example, exactly. I'm so glad to hear you say that though rachel and for teo for you to describe the situation as you did because dave and i came back from the interview with you initially and watching these two episodes 
and we were kind of like, do we feel this way now about Sebastian because we met Teo and we really like him? He's like super nice. Is that why has this like skewed our view? This is like horrible journalism. We're well, like bad as journalists, right? I immediately answered yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> the four hundred thousand dollars he gave each of us really didn't help the situation. It's yeah. really not good for journalism. Have you seen where we I'm living right now? Bribe. <laughs> <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting hard out here, folks. Yeah. It's a Navajo blanket <laughs> and a day bed. <laughs> Again, I really do think there is something to that of like leaving people wondering, like, is, is there another course this could have taken? And, and yes. you know, I think we've seen that so many occasions time and time again. And that's something that we see in both the comics and the show. They just choose to do it in different ways. I myself, having read the comics, having like an idea of like, okay, you know, based on what I've read, what are we going to do in this universe? You as the actor don't know until like you get these scripts. So it's not like, you know, I'm sitting there from day one knowing that this is going to happen. I'm kind of piecing this together as we're going along until I read 1118. And obviously it took me for a surprise as well. But the one thing that I did think about, and I don't know, kind of at least resonated for me was that I think the TV show from a very early point has always made it clear that it isn't going to follow the comics exactly. We see that with things like uh, Sophia's death in season two. Mm -hmm. Carol obviously outlives her comics. Surviving, yeah. Yeah, obviously different (laughs) ways in which they do this. But then there's even things like one of my favorite things, and I know it's uh, for a lot of fans of the show, it's, it's a huge point of contention, but Glenn's death, I think from how they handle it from the comics is actually one of my favorite parts because we show Abraham, we think, okay, we're not following the comics. And then, psych, we're actually doing it exactly the way we're doing in the comics. And again, I know it comes with the critical issue of, like, once actors take over these parts, they do become different than their comic book selves. And obviously, you know, me personally, I love Steve Ewan's work in that. I think he is unbelievable. But I think there's just those kind of moments that we've seen this show time and time again has said, like, we're not going to follow the comics to a T. And therefore, for comic book readers... We're going to we're going to throw you wrenches in where you think this is going and it's going to leave you on your toes because it would be easy to watch any movies based off of books and be like, OK, I know we're at this scene now. We're at this scene now. We're at this scene now. And it's nice. But I do think there is something in a world where you see versions of the same like intellectual property being turned into TVs or movies or anything else showing that they're not the exact like mirrored image of the previous version because if you want that go read it otherwise like i'm just gonna sit there knowing exactly what's gonna happen there's not gonna be any new development that i'm not gonna get as invested as i clearly currently am in this specific well i think that's (laughs) like i mean i you know it is a testament to the comics being as good as they are that like i would push anybody who's a big fan of the show if they have the time to read those comics i was fortunate enough that when i got this job i was like you know what i want to consume as much of this because when it's so rare that as an actor you get the opportunity to be part of something that already has like a saga a compendium of uh you know material and so i just you know i was like i want to go out and consume all of this and reading through it i was like this is unbelievable like there are sections of those comics that i'm like always like oh man that would have been an incredible episode if we got to see that or this or these (laughs) kind of things and i understand why we didn't do those things but it only like lends more credence to wanting people to therefore if they follow something be like okay then go find the original source and go check that out too it's amazing since we are talking about the comics i i want to bring up something that i know you've spoken to someone else about but i'm curious to hear for myself you know sebastian's trajectory in the comic books and the incredible role he plays at the end there so unfortunately we're not going to get to see that play out we up until now have 
been wildly speculating about As to who, who would, would take the role of Rick, you know, in episodes the upon episodes. Oh upon my episodes. gosh, just all kinds of theories. <laughs> Who's Sebastian going to kill? Who's it going to be? Who's taking on this role? Unfortunately, fortunately, I'm not yes, sure where I sit on this just yet, but <laughs> we're, we're not going to see that play out. So Teo, who, who do you think would have or should have taken on that role of, of Rick? Who would Sebastian Ash take um, out eventually? My two that I was thinking a lot about would have been Aaron or Ezekiel. I don't necessarily get a lot of interaction with them, but I think in terms of their character and what they mean to the group and the community is very diametrically opposed to what Sebastian gets at. And I think it would have just been a very fun reason for him to be like, well, <laughs> you're in my way and a problem of what I see and therefore <laughs> untimely death. Plus, obviously, I would just love to receive the ire and hate of all these fans. So you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. they meet you and they're like well i can't hate you <laughs> <laughs> so actually uh, you'd, you'd be surprised <laughs> really no i would be actually but no i i i've said this before but i've actually i've received literally no um no right. feedback to this point you know knock on all the wood um, but awesome. so far, it's that's, been very, really very incredible. nice. And All the wood. I've, I've been, yeah. yeah well, yeah, we've, exactly. we've always pushed for, you know, hate the character, not the actor. They are not the same people. And, and if you do hate the character that much, that's just a testament to the, to the talent that these actors have. I talked with some of the cast members, because obviously some people have not been fortunate enough in that department. People were very much like, get prepared, get prepared on like social media. You will get some <laughs> amount of flack, which, you know, unfortunately for some of those people, that's based on real experience. Mm-hmm. And I can completely completely agree with that message because it's also just that there's so many variables that go into this from the script to the way it got edited to the direction that the story takes over before the actor ever gets involved let alone what they bring to it as well that if you're hating any one piece i guarantee you that's got the hands of so so many people on it and obviously at the end of the day it's one person's face behind it but there's so many people that came to the bat and made this character along with me when it comes to Sebastian and the same for any of those other characters. We spoke about who Sebastian would have killed had the storyline proceeded like the comics, yep. but I, I, what I really want to know from you is what you think of what do you think would have happened with <laughs> Sebastian had Maxine not pushed the button? Mm. That's a great question. I mean, it was something I kind of thought about especially in like more broader strokes, obviously not like what, what tomorrow looks like or anything. Right. But I think, like, had everything gone according to plan, let's say, you know, somehow they still had the grandfather recording and played that instead, I think there's a world where he would have probably at least walked up to her and said, the closest thing he can say to thank you, even if it isn't him saying directly thank you, might be, like, good advice. Because it, the thing that always struck me in reading it is a big thing I look out for is both what your character does and what your character doesn't do. What I mean by that is when she says to him, like, or you could stop being, like, an asshole and giving me a life lesson— I so easily could be like, do you know who you're talking to? Like, you can't say that to me. Like, guards, get her. Like, execute her. You know, like, there's so many ways in which I could punish her for talking to me like that. But instead, I just listen to her. And then I go and implement her talking to into action. And so there is an element that I think he was at least going like, okay, maybe, maybe I can do better than I've given myself credit for. Because at the end of the day, I think a big part is that, like, Sebastian knows he will never be his mother. For better and for worse. He's just, he does not have her abilities. You're talking about a genius, a top tier level of like Machiavellian strategy of just, you know, how to wait and plan something that maybe with time he could get closer to that. Cause I think he's plenty smart, 
but he's he's still a kid relative to her. And more than anything, one of his biggest weaknesses is his impetuousness. He doesn't always take the time to to think, and that's something that Pamela is so good at. And so I think there's just a level of like, I'm never going to be able to reach that, so why do it? Like, why even strive? And then this is the first time that somebody says something, and it's like, okay, maybe maybe let's go for it and fall flat on my face, but let's at least say I tried. I would argue Pamela herself was kind of thrust into this position after being living a life of philanthropy. So in a sense, she ended up doing what you kind of said in your speech, which was, mm -hmm. hey, I'm not going to give you a dumb speech. Well, and she ends up giving speeches throughout her career anyway. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. She ends up carrying President Milton's philosophy throughout without really yeah. altering it or changing it up in her own way. Yeah. So yeah. as smart as she is, she always seems to lean heavily on President Milton's original philosophy, original idea of the Commonwealth. Yeah. But if I may, I feel like Sebastian giving it his old college try had Maxine not put, push the button. Yeah, maybe it would have fallen flat on its face. But given what he says to Maxine, I feel like he would at least try to address some of the bullshit because mm -hmm. it disgusts him. Yeah. And so, no, so I, he, would act, he would actually bring something new to the table. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, a, a big thing that like with that speech that he gives to her that she records is that he's seen how the sausage gets made. And he's seen that for his whole life, really, or at least, you know, a significant portion of it. And so there's there's no romanticization of like what a democracy looks like for him. He knows that uh, the names get picked out for the lottery. It's like none of this has ever been upward mobility. And what she's saying is like, yeah, but it could be. And there's a certain level of him, I think, for the first time going like, oh, right, it could be. And guess who's going to be next in line? This guy. Sebastian, of course, mentions a brother. And if he, it does end up being mentioned on the yes. show, whatever, don't say mm -hmm. anything about, about it. But <laughs> do you have any idea what that backstory might have been? This is a cool thing, but like a lot of times the show will give you a lot of leeway and license. They didn't really like approach us to be like, this is what we're thinking with that. This is what we want from it. What I can just speak to is that like Lila and I, Lila who plays my mom, A, obviously just an amazing actor and a really smart one who dissects these scripts on a level I, you know, I only dream of someday being able to do. But uh, also, is just a very um, an actor who wants to work very closely in tandem with others. So she and I talked a lot about what the dynamic of our family must have been like over the different periods of time. And so we have a lot of like personal background story, but it's not something that you know, I personally, as Sebastian, get the opportunity to delve into. But it is something that informs a lot of this character. Another layer an onion layer to this uh, mm -hmm. narrative. <laughs> Sharon D has a couple of questions that are coming in from Discord. Ultimately, do you think Sebastian deserved this ending? And also, what have you learned from playing this role? Mm. Ooh, those are good questions. I think it's tough because we don't live in a world where we have the luxury of time for, you know, lessons to be learned and had. And there is a certain level of like, we need to fix this community now. And he did some deplorable things. I mean, at the end of the day, some 40 people directly died from his actions and probably countless more through other actions that we don't delve into. So, yeah, it's sad because I think, you know, in a better world and society, especially one that Rick has talked about, because you look at like Rick keeping Negan alive is out of we need to get back to a world of forgiveness. We need to build penance into our societies. So in a more closer to the utopian version, I think, yeah, he should have a chance to survive. But unfortunately, we're not at that place where that could be allowed. In terms of what I learned from playing this character, a big thing, honestly, was a lot about trusting my gut and myself, because this isn't like a lot of roles where I'm going to come into like, let's say a TV show playing a character that 
has been freshly written. Nobody has any preconceived notions because nobody knew about this character until they came onto the screen for the first time. This is a character where people have had years of preconceived notions, have had ideas of who should play this guy, of what he should be like, of all these kind of things. So to step into that is a little uh, jarring because you know that people are going to come at this with like, well, this is my idea. And is it is it even close to what I think of this? And I've mentioned this before, but like, uh, while you know, I, I wasn't originally somebody who had consumed all the comics or anything like that. I am a huge fan of universes and lore. Things like Star Wars is one of my favorite things. And obviously when a new part of that universe gets delved into, I always have opinions on it. And I always try to come at it from a constructive place, but still, you know, I, I can have positive and negative opinions about these things. So there was a level before this ever came out that I had to kind of say to myself, like, I'm putting my stamp of approval on this. Even if this gets dogged by all the fans and they're like, that's not what Sebastian's <laughs> supposed to be like. I can say, you know what? I did my research. I did my homework. These are the reasons that I made him who he was. This was not just some, oh, I had two seconds of the script and I just, I don't know, winged it. I actually put some time and effort into this. And this is why I think Sebastian is this character. And again, you can disagree with me, but I have to know for myself, I think this is a strong portrayal of this character. I think you did an excellent job portraying Sebastian, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) Thank you. Like I said, as a comic book reader, I think you portrayed him perfectly perfectly genuinely means the world and that was the biggest (laughs) no but seriously the biggest uh hope was that you know fans would be on board just because again as a fan of lore and and universes that's what i would want is to know that the people who come into those universes that i love so dearly treat it with that kind of respect and reverence now that we've seen you in the part i don't i don't know that any of us could picture anybody else doing it it just yes like seems like it was meant for you seriously you did a, a phenomenal job yeah, you broke the mold of what you we broke thought. The mold. <laughs> I mean, in a, in, a, in a similar fashion to, let's say, Jeffrey Dean Morgan breaking oh, the previously the mold for of, sure. Yes, uh, Hen- Henry mm-hmm. Rollins type character that, that could have <laughs> yeah. been yeah. Yeah. was directly yeah. modeled yeah. after Henry Rollins. So sort of, yeah, so yeah. But yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, JDM is so incredible at that part, and yeah, has just given it a life of its own, you know, separate from the comics, but in such a perfect like tandemness to the comics. So I yes. think that's a very accurate uh, comparison. I think embodying a character that yeah, we didn't know c- could be that. Let's just end this here. <laughs> Not gonna get that. <laughs> <laughs> mm, we could, you know. We could. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about the scene itself, right? This last, this last Sebastian scene. As an effects artist myself, I would love to hear the nitty gritty of of everything that went oh, into that. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. No, how, I mean, how it, giddy were you? I was quite giddy. I mean, seriously, like there was I, the, the first read was like, "Wow, I can't believe this is you know come to an end." This is so sad. And then rereading it, you know, I was like, "Wait, this is going to be an awesome way to go." Like. <laughs> It's pretty sick. You get a whole crowd. Uh, yeah, well, it's crowd, but also just, I mean, like, gruesome evisceration by a zombie. Like, you know, some people get popped in the head, and that's that. And, like, you know, stuff like that. It's I'm not poo-pooing getting shot in the head on a show like this. But, like, it's it's a very quick thing. This is, like, you get to do the whole nine yards. You're in a VFX trailer for, I quote this because it's the exact amount of time it takes, but one Austin Powers worth of a movie. And I know that because that's what we watched uh, when they were putting on the VFX. Coincidentally, uh, is a great awesome. movie to watch in a VFX trailer as everyone is like seeing Dr. Evil or Fat Bastard and be like, oh, yes, yeah, they use that kind of material to make that fat fold. Yep, that's what they do. And you're like, wow, this is this is very weird to be around like savants of this exact industry. Then, yeah, putting it in all this effort before you ever get to set. And it's a high stakes moment because you really have one opportunity at this because no matter like the budget on a show like this, it takes an hour and a half or so to put that stuff on. If we needed to go again, 
It's going to take an hour, hour and a half to restrip all that off, clean me completely off, wait for me to dry, reattach all that stuff and do it again. That would be another day. And I can't even imagine what that would cost us, you know, budget wise to do. I remember when we sat down and this entire group of people around us kind of like pointing out like, okay, this, this is where you got to hit it like right here, because this is where we have a plate and where we have all the things that are going to like burst out with blood and stuff. And if we don't get this in this take, <laughs> let's not even talk about that. Let's just get it in this take um, kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. And so then a lot of the work is done for you. You know, when you're like looking down and blood is trickling down you, you look behind you and there's a very lifelike zombie. So all of the like, guttural screaming and stuff it actually becomes kind of easy to do because you're like yep this is this is probably i without having to experience the real thing i'm imagining this is pretty close to it i am personally terrified of getting this wrong let's right (laughs) something that always drew me to on-camera work and like literally from like you know thesis films when i was in college is that camera feels like a team sport in that my job as the actor it doesn't matter if the sound is bad, if the guy racking the focus didn't get the focus right, if the VFX department didn't get that neck exactly the way it's supposed to look. I mean, all of that is for naught. So it doesn't matter that I do my job if some other department didn't. And by that same token, knowing that each of these departments has already risen to the occasion kind of leaves you in a position of like, okay, well, now it's my turn as well. It does feel like, okay, we're all lifting this together. And therefore, when it comes time, I don't know, there's an excitement of like, all right, you've passed me the ball. Now it's my turn to either pass it on or go for the shot. And I just, I, I love that kind of aspect of it. And to do it with something like VFX is so cool because it just adds one more layer that you're not always fortunate enough to get to play with. It's like seeing all the dominoes racked up just right and making sure they tumble and hit each mark, essentially. So this oh, is basically yeah. what you're describing. And watching yeah. it all unfold, each person doing their part so expertly, it's just mm-hmm. so satisfying. Well, and especially with film, it's like, if they've done it really well, you didn't even know they were there. You're just caught up in the moment of the show. I'm sitting there watching and be like, oh man, I remember exactly where Greg was on set when he was pumping blood into that neck to shoot it up. But it's like, once we go for the real thing, all that fades and now we have the end product that we can be left with that we're just sucked into the universe again. I know that when things are filmed, they're not always filmed, obviously, from the same vantage point too but was there that crowd all around you while that was happening? Were they there and did that actually help your performance? Yes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, because there's uh, the sense of like, why aren't you guys helping? Like, what the hell? (laughs) And it is a rare death in this universe that there are so many people around you and nobody is doing anything. And just the fact of being so alone in such a populated area is such a a jarring, you know, Mm. juxtaposition. Mm. And that, again, it does speak to like, it's a little too little too late. He's already had these deplorable actions and all these people you know, they just finished protesting. You know, people had signs about how what a bad person he is that, you know, it doesn't matter that he might have maybe was on the right path. At the point that this happened, it was it was already all the terrible things that happened and they were already too fresh in the minds of the citizens. And so, right. yeah, there is a sense of just like, man, this is bittersweet. <laughs> I right. could have so easily been saved, but my own actions led to my downfall. The balance was passed A lot of too. these people, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot yep. of these people have spent so many years behind the walls too. They wouldn't even know what to do either, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, this definitely. has got to be a shock to see yeah. something like this for them. Oh, definitely. I mean, many of these people probably have, if they've ever confronted one, it's been forever since they've had to um, mm-hmm. because they got that mm-hmm. luxury where yeah. they don't have to do that anymore. And that's obviously amazing. But in a world where that still exists, you're kind of lying to yourself to some degree. Right. Oh, Sebastian yeah. is acutely think aware at of. some point, instinct would take over. And you personally, I feel... If I see somebody being attacked or wronged, like my instinct is to go in and help. doesn't matter who they are, but mm-hmm. yeah, these people just cleared up. 
stand around yeah. and they're like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, it, right. if it's a zombie it's attacking them, I, I'd like to think I'm with you that I would do something, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I, I remember I remember telling my like girlfriend at one point, I was like, look, if like a witch or something is attacking you, I'm running in the other direction. Like, I love you. He's a robber in the house. A robber in the house, I would like to think I'm going to be like, hey, like, look, like, you know, take the stuff and let us be safe. But if it's a witch, no, I'm, I'm completely out. You're on your own. Each person for themselves. That's Magical powers, I can't deal with that. It's... Exactly. It's not my job. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Slow I don't have a skill set. No, no. And also, again, I told you from day one, you can't put that on me. It's not like you're like, oh, wow, Teo really you know, dropped the ball. No, I said I would drop the ball. So this was far for the course. It's in the. Oh, it's going to be in the prenup. Exactly. I have that in a long, long document. Long document. <laughs> Girl, oh girlfriend God. contract. <laughs> yeah, will not save you in a chick dig contract. Chip hey. dig contract. She's you. still oh, yeah, here, so that's on her. Shockingly, shockingly. <laughs> well, that's how you know you picked a winner, right? So, oh God. Yeah, contract she signed, she's like whatever. Agreed uh, to the terms. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have the same thing. Good. Yeah, it's important. We can safely end it right there. I mean, Tail's awesome. got to add the new oh, photo for the Instagram, I think. I know. i got to run back through that. <laughs> uh, so, you get a screenshot of this and add it. Uh, well, I was hey, going to say, I did, I did do uh, one little video. <laughs> I was going to uh, post you guys in it if that's why. I assume that's cool. Oh, um, but, oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, that. Very yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, thank so you. Thank you. Of course. Oh, my goodness. My heart just went. Uh, no, I, I, I went quiet. Appreciative of, of, of the fan base and the community, and we've talked about it so many times. Oh. But you know, not all, not every show does it actually feel like it's a family. And the fact that you oh. know, I I've built lasting relationships with people that are fans of this uh, is just such a testament to the base. That of course I would want to you know post about you guys because this is such a cool, cool thing that you guys are nurturing here, and I'm I'm just happy to be in any small part, uh, be a part of it. Oh, well, and thank you. likewise, it, you simply add to what we are trying to do. And I, Rich, and you, I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> oh, no, I'll cry later. It's, but like, yeah, the way you talk about the show itself supplements really nicely what we try to do on, on a weekly basis. Let's say we we really go into the content, the narrative, pick it apart. We all talk about how it makes us feel minds get changed in the process which is really amazing and that's you and uh, this is not the average compliment this is like more like oh you did a great job it's let me ask no you really are into it the way we are as a podcast and by extension when you're with the fans you're you and we're happy that you're you that you're just as big a fan as we are and i'm very grateful to have had this do first of all being able to speak with you on face Facebook has been, has been great. And also to have spent some time with you, get to get to know you and to really sit down and really dig into what we both love. And I think yeah. I thank you very much for oh, taking the time out. Seriously. That means the world guys. Thank you so much. Um, and I only look forward to more of these kind of uh, occasions. Good luck with everything you guys are doing. I'm, I'm such a fan and I can't wait for us to all, you know, get to experience the last of this uh, awesome show together. Yeah, and we'll see yeah. you in a couple weeks, actually. I know. This is awesome. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, that'll be awesome.
We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. I'm your host, David Cameo, and I'm joined by Cosmo Mom 09, Rachel Burt, Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget ko-fi.com slash Bunky Brewster. That's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. And today we're going to talk about The Walking Dead's third trimester premiere. As well, along I like with that much better. Thank you for not saying the other thing. The <laughs> second episode in the eight ep- episodes. No! Sorry, I- <laughs> you were doing so well. I know, I know. I just couldn't, cl- I just couldn't stick the landing on the second one. So, yes, the third trimester premiere plus... 1118 so 1117 1118 that would be lockdown and a new deal we have a lot to unpack here we chose to do two episodes at once because the danger in not doing so would mean that these episodes wouldn't come out at a decent schedule or a decent clip the walking dead decided to or amc decided to drop the first two episodes all at once the day of the premiere which i'm I'm actually not mad at. Look, as much as I would be selfishly requesting that we get these episodes early, I am happy that they are listening to fans who say, please, please don't drop the third trimester premiere, which nobody calls it the third trimester premiere. We <laughs> like to call it the third trimester premiere because it's like a pregnant baby. And I like to think of the beginning of something rather than the end of something, to be fair to Rachel. It's so, birthing three tri- it. it's birthing triplets. Yeah. Yes. Their, their names are Negan, Maggie, Daryl, and Rick and Michonne. <laughs> There's five of them. This, like, but the, I mean, it's it's the triplets like or coupling the shows, up, I right? suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. It's more like gremlins. You feed the one yes. and two pop out. So it's, it's Neggy. The shows are Neggy, Daryl, and Rashone. Right. Daryl, Neggy, and Rashone. Those are the triplets. Sorry, Carol. You know, I'm relishing in the fact that like there's so many people like that who are still holding on to hate. For Daryl, for sorry, for Norman Reedus, but like Daryl Dixon, because Carol couldn't be on the series, even though Melissa McBride herself was like, I need a break. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> like, what? Why? Why are you hating on Norman? Because they have their conspiracy theorists. That's I hate that to put means, it that way. That means I need to hit up Twitter to look to see what's being said, because it was amazing. Only if it's funny. Yeah. Only <laughs> it if it's funny so will I go over there. Stupid and hilarious and I loved it. But you know what it you know what it is? It's like it's funny at first because you're like, okay, have a moment. It's fine. Everybody is entitled to have a moment. I'll say this, it's really only on the margins. You have the diehard Carol fans, actually, C-A-R-Y-L, the Carol and Daryl Shippers, that have broken. They are they're just I don't, they're not okay. And I, so now it's more like, okay, then you know what? I leave it, I leave them to their devices. It's like, I see it and I'm like, okay, that's, you've chosen your path. This is where Choose we part ways. Yeah, it's, it's like, all right. Cause I don't want people to think I make fun of them and I don't. I take them actually kind of seriously. I really, you make I really fun do. Of everyone. <laughs> I take, I take them kind of seriously. I don't judge people. I try not to judge people. But, you know, because everybody's entitled to their opinion. And um, I just feel like where we really part ways and where I really start getting judgy is when it's like, and this is really ubiquitous, but like when you're choosing to hate on, let's say, AMC, Norman Reedus, even Melissa McBride, which I've seen no hate towards her at all, which you'd think because she left, 
people be more hateful towards her. But the conspiracy theory is that she was pushed off the show because of mm-hmm. things that Norman Reedus is like, fuck that bitch. I don't want to work with her. Some something yeah, or like AMC. There's like this or, whole theory about how like Norman actually hates <sighs> Melissa and like it's ridiculous. Norman's Norman's girlfriend made them yes. take Melissa off the show because she was yeah. jealous of them because Norman and Melissa should be together and it's disgusting. <laughs> People are nuts. They're so crazy. Yeah. So it, 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 you know, it's very, very similar to when, and I'm going to say this and this is not what I think. This is what has been said. Sharony, just brace yourself. It's similar to when Jenna made cracked a dumb joke about like Madison's exit something to like who was the other blonde girl on the show like I mean, it was like a like an actor to actor jab but that everybody on fear the like the fear of the walking dead watchers from one to three like took very seriously and like it's just like the actors don't give a shit kim dickens doesn't give a shit kim dickens probably thought it was super funny but people just they take these these little nuggets and they go they spin yarns on it and like oh there's a rivalry behind the scenes go so enough about that noise we're here to talk about The Walking Dead, right? I can feel you. I can feel your judgy presence on me right now for taking too much time for this shit. Where we start is going to be very difficult because I think the first thing we need to do is catch everybody up to why we are where we are. That It may be necessary to recap a little bit of what we've seen so far. Obviously, you can go back to our episodes to watch what we've seen so far, but it is actually a good idea to go on a... Uh, more of like a top-down view of what's happened. And I think it really kind of all starts from when Lance decides to go out on his NGO mission to the, what, what do we call them? The tenant dwellers? I forget what they called, what they were called. Uh, this is, um, Oh, the tower? 18. It's not, but it's not really the tower. Cause that was the thing in fear seasons. And, uh, and there was also the about. thing in 1115. Uh, we, we called it Jericho at one point. Yes, we, we called it Jericho. The walls of right. Jericho. Good call. <laughs> so I forgot about that. And I've got some, I've got some like Bible stuff in my notes for today but yeah the wild we'll call it jericho for now i forgot the leader the what what his name was he was mentioned in this episode too yeah annie mentioned it ian Um, Ian. your accent made me remember it's annie ian oh okay got it so they go on this mission and the mission is a ruse what was the whole point of that mission is really my question it was more like lance wanting to what catch aaron and gabe and make them cause some sort of incident between these people they thought that the those were the people that had taken his shipment Mm -hmm. his convoy Mm -hmm. so they went there to try to find where the convoy stuff was and aaron and gabe were there to to be honest i don't remember why they were there to be a peaceful fact finding right right right, let's bring people into the convoy they were trying to show them like how how they would go about doing that so that aaron could essentially end up being one of the people that goes out and like scouts out new territories and stuff and to make uh, alliances and to have trade and which is what Aaron used to do for Alexandria Mm -hmm. right which Lance claimed he was trying to do when he was talking to Maggie but it turns out who was hitting up the convoys but Leah like "Ah, I lost my people let's hit these convoys up and destroy people and then Lance finds her and it's this complete misunderstanding that Lance of course tries to make lemons into lemonade that sort of thing it's like oh like this can still work (laughs) like we can still blame these people and we could blame these new people Gabe and Aaron and all them because now they're turncoats because they didn't follow my plan and killed what's his face Toby Carlson was it Toby mm-hmm. Carlson yeah. right because it turned into a disaster but lemons to lemonade lands it thinks he can make everything 
divert everything, look kind of like Morgan, I guess, in a weird way. He can redirect, you know, make it work for him. And it just keeps escalating, escalating. It's kind of like what we're talking about Saul Goodman, oddly enough. <laughs> like he was on his haunches and he kept he kept pushing and pushing and pushing until like it just let's kill them all because this just does not work. And when we have somebody that we have to have we have to blame somebody. And so it's a pretty big mess that we're coming into on eleven seventeen. And Lance needs something to show for it after Leah dies, after like after his lemons into lemonade dies, Maggie not wanting to join the Commonwealth. That's another bonus. That's another reason why he's got to kill these people so we could just take this shit over. And I've got to have a win. And Pamela warned him that if you keep going, it's not always going to go your way. Yeah, that kind of sums it all up. There's not much beyond that. On that note, so we can pivot. Aiden has a take that we should all listen to. Hey, this is my take for 1117. In honor of Sebastian, I am hiding in my closet. Um, so um, what was your thoughts on the scene between Daryl and Maggie where they talk about Leah and Glenn? Where Daryl kind of alludes to the fact that maybe one of the reasons he was so easy to kill Leah is obviously because of his long history with Maggie, as well as him feeling responsible for the death of Glenn. Still, I kind of find it weird that we don't really get to hear a lot about Daryl and Leah's relationship. I think because 11B was told tons of time skips and because her debut episode find me was told a bunch of time skips we really don't see how major their relationship is but we know maggie obviously knew about their relationship we know aaron and gabriel knew something about it and eleven sixteen, they talk about it were you satisfied with that conclusion to that are we going to get more what do you think let's settle this at the risk of obviously open reopening wounds when we were talking about it i think we all might agree that it felt a little weird that like you introduced a character that i thought was actually pretty developed contrary to aiden fairly developed enough for us to give a shit about how she died but like i felt like her dying was felt a little flat like for all the development that she had whoa a thud well well does maggie bringing it up what daryl did for her to save her life obviously he was going to do that we all agree to that but does her bringing it up resolve it a little bit better for you no one of our big complaints at the end of the last of 11b was that they that he just killed her and there was nothing else to it like nothing else was said and they just had this character that they built up and then all of a sudden they're just like okay she's dead we're not gonna say or do anything else about it and we were saying maybe they'll address it in 11c you know they'll they'll take care of it they'll address it well i'm gonna say that this is the last we're gonna hear about it this was their covering of leah is daryl's emotions supposed to be limited to what he feels about maggie and glenn Daryl, you can have emotions about killing someone that you cared about apart from feeling like you always have to be on Maggie, do something for Maggie because Glenn would want you to. It's been 12 years. You have made up for it over and over and over again. Please stop using that as a defense to not care about anything and not have emotions. I'm really, really upset that that's all they're going to address about Leah. She's never going to be mentioned again. They're never going to address Daryl's feelings. They're just going to sweep it under the rug and, and be done with it. Well, I think that, yeah, they probably won't mention Leah directly again. I have some feelings and theories about this. Yes, I think it's fair for Daryl to still feel bad about Glenn. He was close to Glenn. Glenn was with him from the beginning. So I get why he would feel really totally shitty about that. He wants to make it up to Maggie because Maggie was pregnant at the time and they were going to have this baby and there was all this excitement for the future. On top of that, Daryl would have had to have mourned Leah in a in a way a couple times before he killed her. She left and you have to mourn that loss then when she leaves. 
because you're in the apocalypse. You're probably never going to see her again. You see her again and she turns against you. (laughs) So you're then mourning her saying like, well, I guess we can't make it work because she's going to choose her family. I'm going to choose mine. And so he mourns her a second time. Like, I'm not saying that he wouldn't be upset about it. Of course he would. But he's also Daryl. So he's not going to like showcase those emotions super readily. I'm not happy that they didn't give like a a little bit more i wanted a little bit more like we saw back before they got to alexandria when he finds the barn during the hurricane back in season so i wish we had gotten more of that because there was some vulnerability that we got to finally see out of daryl and i i would have liked to have seen that again to showcase that he is growing as a person and not just stagnant because that's not good writing but (laughs) despite the the morning several times and despite everything else i think that there is gonna be some sort of i'm gonna say an emotional revolution for daryl this is my hope okay because there was that moment where he clearly wanted to say like we should stay and help these people in the commonwealth it looks like they're on like a loading dock right the beginning of eleven eighteen, essentially yeah it's maggie and and daryl's there, there and zeke is there if i'm not mistaken I know I the know. apple was there. That was an interesting illusion. <laughs> anyway, there's people there, right? And they're talking. <laughs> people there. There's people there. I don't remember exactly. So Carol. I'm tired. Yeah, they're talking about leaving and they're saying like, well, what are we going to do? We're just going to go back and like just be how we were before. And you could tell that there was like this moment of I want to say no. But Maggie was like, yeah, we should go home. And he looks at her. There's this moment where he pauses and he looks at her. And so to me, that was saying like, okay, that's what you want. And I'm going to do what I need to for you because my job is to protect you. And so you're saying that this is what makes you feel safe. So I'm just going to go along with it. And so I think it's going to hit a point where like too much has happened. And he's going to be like, I can't keep doing this. Now, it I can't just be about Glenn is what you're saying. I, not that it can't just be about the Glenn, root. but that it can't be. He can't just keep blaming himself all of the time for the rest of his life. Right. So I he hope that we now. see. Yeah, I hope that we see that growth. I really, really, really do. Because one, if this were a real person, I would want them to have more in their life. This is sad. Glenn died and it was horrific and like you can feel bad about it and feel like it was totally your fault but Glenn wouldn't want you to not live that's like not the kind of person he was he like found joy in such small things you know he took the joy out of anything that he could find he wanted to relish in that so like for Daryl to become this walking dead this like zombie of a person is so sad to me. So like, I'm hoping that there's some sort of deeper arc there that we just can't see because we saw some moments of real near defiance out of Daryl. So I'm hoping that we can really see that. I liked that the beginning scenes focused so much on him, those flashbacks. In and 11 so, to 18, yeah. Uh, there's a little bit in 17 in, too. Yes, that's so true. So I, you know, because they're doing that each episode. And I don't know if they'll do that for every episode. It would be kind of cool if they did. It's fucking me up. It's, it's, I mean, it's beautiful. Like they are, it's beautiful. They are going to be doing it. It's beautiful. It's super emotional. It's smart if you're trying to get people like invested emotionally in these last eight episodes. As if so, we weren't already. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe return viewers need like need yeah, that. Fair enough. I can agree with with what you're saying. But if having to kill the first woman that he ever really loved doesn't bring that fucking arc out in him, then what is going to? What is going to fucking bring that change if not having to kill Leah? I, I do have something to say that pairs very nicely to both your 
comments because as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, why the rage, bruh, at Lance Hornsby? It took barely Carol to get him off of Lance. I, I'm forced to kind of argue with the fact that, like, you brought this. We could have been okay. Maybe even Leah and I could have been okay. He doesn't know. I mean, he doesn't know the deal they made, et cetera, et cetera. There was a part of me that thought, oh, it, this isn't just about attacking Maggie and her kid. This isn't just about raising hell and trying to do Lance, trying to grab whatever he could. This is also about Leah. He knew that Lance had something to do with Leah, period. If not for him, he may not have had to kill the only woman that he loved, too. That knife to the hand it was like, oh, you, you're not getting away with having done all of this. So I feel like there is a bit of Leah in that stabby stab to the hand. Because I had to reckon a little bit with that because part of me didn't feel okay with what he did. It feels good for us to watch him do that to Lance Hornsby, right? Like ostensibly. But there has to be like something more to that to, for it to make sense to me. And it's everything. It's the promise to keep Maggie safe. But it's also for himself too. The reason why I say this is paired very nicely with what Mercer has had to witness over the last couple of episodes. People not doing their jobs, which makes it so that the hordes can pass up to three che outer checkpoints. Having to see his men mutilated before his very eyes. Him having this heart-to-heart -heart with Max in the second trimester, <laughs> the latter episodes. Having this very interesting ideological conflict that is bearing fruit in, this, in these episodes, mostly 1118, where he's like, you know, you can't just burn it all down, Max, because if you burn it all down, we may never get whatever this is back up again. And Max is going like, no, we got to burn it down or else we can't live our lives. Like, Ma but Max, you haven't seen what I've seen, what me and my men have seen. And now Mercer's worst nightmares are coming true. So I feel like whatever Daryl is going through, Mercer is going through as well. It's not like he's if he's catching up, he sees this every day, but he's never seen it to quite the degree that he's been seeing it lately. People not doing their jobs. Anger makes you stupid. Stupid gets you killed, right? That's what it comes down to. It's the same reason why Judith is like adamant about staying and fighting. It's that anger. Like, I don't want to pick this up because I don't want to have to believe that I have to pick this up. But Daryl's like, he's too battle worn. Daryl is basically what Mercer could be when he passes a membrane. They're, they're, whatever they're going through is very important to watch. Because, like, Daryl is basically Mercer's cautionary tale without all the baggage. Sorry, I have to kind of, like, bring all of this together in one crescendo. And that's Daryl doing what he did to Lance's hand is a lot like just that frustration that this could have worked. And you, and you just gone and fucked it up. And Mercer's going through the same thing. If everybody's not doing their part, this thing will fall. If somebody tries to burn it down, my own sister, it's all going to fall. And is that what we really want? All these Daryls giving up hope in a system that could bring a life for these kids in the future. I thought this place would be great for my kids effectively. And so that's that went into that as well. Bringing it back to Leah, I think we're not done exploring that little bit just yet. I feel like that's going to factor in somehow into all of this. Like the fact that I thought I could have a life after this or that somebody out there loved me, that sort of thing. There's 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 a lot of components for Daryl to to play with here. And I think some of that is going to come into play here. I think Leah and Daryl's relationship kind of fell apart before Lance got involved. I mean, obviously, because like we established mm -hmm. before, Leah was always going to choose her family. Daryl was always going to choose his family. But even still, I think Sharon D's right. I'm not sure that we're going to see any more 
references emotional emotion from Daryl regarding what happened to Leah and and yeah even though she sided with the wrong group and trying to kill him or whatever what they had was real and that's something to mourn I really really would like to see Daryl sad Grief. about that yeah yeah I don't think it's really set in maybe he's using Glenn as a reason to not feel things because I did this because of because I have yeah. to make up for Glenn. So I don't get to have any feelings. I don't have to have feelings about it. That's yeah. why I did it. And maybe he's been using Glad as all these years, that's what he's been using to shield himself Possibly. from having to have feelings or express mm. those feelings. What happened, he'll always carry it with him. He's always gonna feel responsible, but he does he doesn't have to continue punishing himself for it. But it's something that he's gonna carry with him. I still blame him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, know. for Glenn's death. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, I don't hate him. Yeah, it happened. His actions got Glenn killed. That's something he's going to carry with him. But I think he's done punishing. I think he can be done punishing himself. Right. You can live with it, but you don't have to live by it. Exactly. And and as far as protecting Maggie, that's almost an insult. If I were Maggie, I'd be like, I don't like I can take care of myself. Thank you. I did fine without you for six years. Right, but he's he's talking about a specific <laughs> I moment. I had her right where I wanted her before you shot her in the back of the head, Daryl. I, yeah. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> <laughs> like it looked pretty tired for Maggie there for I a second. Just a, I was just about to pull my moves on her when you came in, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> All the Maggie haters in the world were almost gonna jizz at once until you shot Leah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I didn't know how it was gonna go down in that scene, and honestly. I would have been fine either way. <laughs> I mean, well, I was more upset that I really, I mean, I didn't want her to kill Maggie, but I feel like that would have been such an exciting twist to it. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have right, expected that Right, with all the talk of Dead City or Isle of the Dead at the time. Like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Who's going to take care of Herschel now? It's all right. We still, we still have our potential uh, Daryl's not actually hey, going to hey. have a show situation, so... Well, the twist could like still bang. be there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of twists that could happen at mm. the end of the day. But yeah, <laughs> right. Because we've talked about that. That's very interesting. Oh, you know, we didn't talk about what we should have at the top of the show was that, hey, just like we pro- I'm sorry to bring this up in the middle of the thing. I know we're in the middle of a thing, but Squawking Dead is actually now on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Squawking Dead. If you have been hesitant about just following us at ko-fi.com slash dead. Patreon is an option that is available. We still do post our recording sessions publicly on Patreon. So just follow us there as well or just there. If you prefer it, if you're following other creators on Patreon, give us a follow. You don't have to join a membership tier to join in a recording session. They are public. Whether you're following at ko-fi.com slash dead or on patreon.com slash dead, it's a way to get the recording sessions or know when the unedited episodes drop. These are things we don't post on social media. These are for the hardcore fans who want to follow our journey behind the scenes. And there's some pretty cool bonuses depending on the tier level you join. Every tier level at patreon.com slash dead has an exclusive sticker that you will get at the end of three months. The Whispers tier will get a free t-shirt as well at the end of three months for your patronage. So yeah, that's some pretty, pretty sweet deals. And in honor of both that, the third trimester of the Walking Dead's 11th season and a sale in our merch store, which is undoubtedly will happen when we release this episode, we are going to be releasing a new t-shirt design in honor of all of that. 
for the 11th and final season. So be on the lookout for that on social media. And I'm, if this episode premieres uh, on time, at a decent time, I will show you what it looks like on the screen right now. Oh, isn't that great, guys? Oh, ooh. <laughs> and if you're already on our Discord, you've seen the design in process as I was tweaking it around for this, the graphics. And you've seen the podcast graphics already and the thumbnail graphics as well. That's the style of the t-shirt. It's similar to our Season 11 podcast graphics, but it is tweaked to show the end but also the dawn of the walking dead but it's a very beautiful design and it'll it'll it honors the series fairly well enjoy it and if you do like it order it and you'll be ordering it at a sale price so it's probably 14 dollars, and you can get to our merch store at squawkingdead.com click the menu in the left the top left and click merch or click the description of this video if you're watching, it'll be there. Let's talk about the title sequence, the changes to the title sequence for these first two episodes of the third trimester. What do you think of what you've seen? I was like, that's different, but what the heck is that? <laughs> I like, took a second. <laughs> After two episodes, like, I still don't know what I've seen. I was like, my eyes are going like across it, across, trying to look and see what that is. So it looks like it sped up the title sequence. It starts off with the noose at Hilltop, I think, and then it shows an overhead shot of the Hilltop. And then when it gets to the windmill of Alexandria in the normal title sequence, it, it shows you an overhead of Alexandria itself. And then the only major difference at the end is when it finally, just before it shows the logo, it turns to Mercer and his Commonwealth soldiers in the foreground from the Walker's perspective. And behind it, it shows the Commonwealth in the background the idea of we are the wall that separates the walkers from what we now only think is civilization as we know it with the big red sun behind it covered in haze which like i said is in our new design so that's why i used it so there you go sun or it could be like a red moon like a blood moon they also for the first time have all of the names of all of the cast in the credits it's not just the main Cast. It's like a longer version of the song mm, they too. Extended the song because there's too. an, an mm -hmm. extension at the end. It's mm -hmm. like a little bit different. There's some more bass that comes in. Yeah. I thought it was about the same length, but I can double check. The theme song is a, is a minute long. And the um, Walking Dead logo at the end, it's no longer cracked and broken and overgrown. It's like a solid, but it has Bleeding. blood running down it instead. Right, and the blood increases. In the next in the next yeah. title sequence, it seems like the G's bleeding in the first one, and the G and the D are bleeding in the second one. <laughs> what I wrote in my notes was more blood in more 11, the eleven eighteen notes. Boy, we we got a lot of blood between these two episodes. What is it about like the midsections of Commonwealth soldiers that they fall? They just they fall apart so quickly. They're made they're of made gelatin. Of, they're like made of spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> no complaints. It's all that soft eating and soft living they've got. It's all that soft all. serve. Yeah, all that ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just didn't work out on their core, I guess. Or like, I don't know. <laughs> Skipping leg day or something. I, I don't it's know. all legs and all legs and, and, skip, and biceps or whatever. Day. Yeah, essentially. Do you feel like they're just moving around really quickly? Like they're getting from place to place like of the blink of an eye right because oceanside is fairly distant from where they are distant from 
Hilltop or or Alexandria, but yet Lance could go there to Oceanside and then come back to wherever they are. Remember in Game of Thrones in the last season where everybody's like, how are they traveling so fast <laughs> from Dragon place to travel. place? How did Daenerys get from King's Landing to what winter fell in like 24 hours <laughs> but how how are they moving i understand like they have cars and stuff but how are they getting everywhere so fast do you guys feel that too or is it just me time is passing a lot quicker than i thought it was and i think that had something to do with it because we're now one year in of them living at the commonwealth right minimum founders day yeah so it's like yeah. we've hit another founders day because when they were talking about it i'm like wait the lottery we're a year yeah we just saw but then i was like oh that makes sense because yeah how are they getting everywhere obviously things are taking longer than i thought they were so in the time that it took lance to go to oceanside why the hell did they stay there why didn't they go away from where they were and like go back to hilltop go back to algro somewhere why did they all just like oh let's wait for lance to come back and chase us some more what i don't understand (laughs) what the reasoning was there that's a good question, actually. I guess I assumed actually. they were somewhere else. I, like, assumed that they had tried to move. But, you know, travel is slow going because they don't have vehicles. And they don't have horses. So they're on foot. And Daryl can't come back. And who knows if... Oh, man, what, what kills me is, that, like, how... Like, what happened in the time span between the time Daryl shoots Lance in the face, which obviously is roughly stitched up. Is he out there the entire time? And I imagine he is. I imagine he feels like he can't come back until he gets them and however long it takes for him to get back he has to get them but remembering oceanside i feel like is going to be a very important plot point because we may see what lance did to them but what that coin flip meant for them isn't that where um aaron and lydia and oh my god are you talking about lydia and elijah with aaron and Weren't they on their way to Oceanside? Oh, yeah. I think they are, They're yes. going to find out. Yeah, yeah. they're going to find I'm actually yeah. really nervous about it. And they specifically mentioned Cindy, which I was like, oh, she's still around. What do you expect Aaron, Lydia, Elijah, and is it Jerry that's that's going with them? Somebody was going with all, it was like four people. Lydia, Elijah, Aaron, Aaron and yeah, yeah, I think Jerry? Jerry. Which is weird, because where's Jerry. Nabila and the kids? Yeah. They're in the hiding place. Or was it Gabe? <laughs> I have no idea. No, it wasn't Gabe. No, Mm-mm. it wasn't Gabe. It's almost been Jerry. I don't know who else it would have been. Gabe's out on the run still. But, uh, no, Gabe no, is with back. Rosita. He, yeah, he gave the... <sighs> did he get back? He did the sermon thing. And they're probably going to have an oh, argument. Right. Just like, <laughs> Just like everybody. Just like Negan and Annie are probably... This is what I like about 1118 is it... it hones in further on found fan well like the just the weird juxtaposition of found family versus actual family which is which now and what do we do it's kind of like you said bridget i think like it's, it's like broken glass like you can't pretend that this place doesn't exist and has potential to be better or to be even the way it is that being way better than being out there I did like that moment though at the end of 18 then where judith is she had so much hope for it and yeah she wants to help everybody which is great but you can tell she takes the gun back because it's like this isn't safe either and she had to go through that same thing that carl went through when he was like roughly that age it doesn't matter where we are it's never ever going to be 100 percent safe ever and right, if i right. want this to be a better place i have to be the one to make that change and to work right. towards it i can't just reap all the benefits and not do any of the work to get in her corner a bit 
as much as we give so much credit to Judith for being an exceptional kid, she is still a kid. Yeah, she's, dude, she's I, super I, young. It's like devastating what she's I gone through. I feel so bad for Judith because she's getting a taste of what her life could have been like or could even be like. Still, but now right. she's come to the realization that she's not ever really going to be able to have that life. At least in her little her little brain, you know, like I can never, I'll never be able to have this. This is never going to happen. <laughs> little bird brain. So, I mean, like, I, sorry. I, just the way you said that. I'm sorry. It was making me think of the movie Awakenings with Robin Williams and Robert De Niro, <sighs> where Robert De Niro gets the sleeping sickness as a kid and, he, and he's in a, basically in a coma his whole life, but, uh, and just sleeps, you know, is asleep in a bed. And Robin Williams is a doctor that comes up with treatment that wakes these patients up for the first time in 30 years and they can get up and they can walk and talk and they can talk to people and they can have a life but then the medicine stops working and they all go back into that state again and that's kind of how i feel like judith you know she's been in this horror fest her entire life and then she gets a taste of what her life could be like in a real world and now it's going to be taken away from her again and there's nothing she can do to stop it and nothing she can do to fix it and it just made me so sad at that point when i was watching it for her and for all the other kids i'm so glad that they gave that character the opportunity to have that moment to truly be a child running and yeah like running and and like hiding and telling your brother like don't tell daryl where i am i'm sure it was like don't tell him where Uh, i am or i'm gonna hit you like and then emo moment she like runs off and then he finds her like pouting (laughs) don't understand you know he finds her like pouting after she gets caught by uh <laughs> like by you're Gabe. not my real dad daryl sorry and just i just but i just like i love that because that's so <laughs> to be fair neither is rick it's oh <laughs> poor jude um to be fair it's just like so it's so appropriate for her she's that age to be mad and to yeah. feel rebellious in some way and she's had so much obligation hung on her for so long oh god I, I, I hesitate from saying this. I know they're not the same, but it's a really good foil for like Sebastian. In a sense, like all his obligation is expected of him. Does he have a chance to forge his own path? Does he even give a shit? Or it's kind of like hope. Is it like, I'm never going to be great in her eyes. I, and we find out that he had a brother, which I mean, feels like a throwaway line in retrospect when I'm thinking about it now. But like, are they going to make anything more of that? Oh, I was expected. Yeah, my brother died. He was supposed to be the golden child. Now that was just the baton just automatically flips over to me. I wasn't supposed to be the guy to do all this shit. It's all thrust upon him. Constantly reminded of it being slapped in the face by his mother a lot and, and yeah, being seriously. yelled at his mother a lot to be the thing I want you to be. That's very interesting. To, and for even Daryl to say, Judith, just stop is kind of sort of an interesting mirror of the relationship between you know, father and child and mother and child. Well, that's why I'm glad he went and apologized. No parent is going to be perfect. You're not going to have exactly that same kid over and over and over again. Otherwise, by the fourth child, you'd be like, I'm perfect at this. You're not <laughs> like, it's always Which like, no it doesn't parent ever says. Yeah. No, no, but every parent feels like I'm just not, I'm not capable of doing this at some point. Daryl's clearly very much feeling that right now. He also gave her room to feel the way that she was feeling that's kind of a newer parenting element people in the 80s and 90s didn't really give their kids room to feel the way that they wanted to feel (laughs) not always and now there's kind of this focus on like it's okay to be upset but you have to learn how to work through it that's much more successful and he gave her the reasons why like once she had her like moment he's like 
you have to understand that like, I don't know what I'm doing. At least like being super honest is like, but what I do know is that this place ain't safe. I could explain to you why it isn't safe, but I think you believe me when I say it's not safe and that, listen, I know I'm not your dad, but I'm your dad. And you, and like, I just love the little jucks, just the little bit of like Judith takes after Daryl in that way that she finds her own spot to cool off just like he does. And I, I, I like that little note and like, oh, that you are kind of like me in a weird way. And so, yo, you had a spot behind the river. And I said, oh, yeah, well, I understand where you came from now. Not great. Alone most of the time. And she, she doesn't really get the chance to be alone. Like you said, and I wrote this on my notes, like, yeah, if you go out there, Judith, and she knows this, there aren't going to be a lot of spots to be alone because the second you're alone is the second somebody like a somebody, a person probably or feral or even a walker might get you. Yeah. And so you are she's taking that one little bit of advantage of, to cool off, to be able to cool off and have a moment. And I think she even knows that she ultimately will side with Daryl in that this place isn't safe. I think she knows that even when she says, I don't want to have to take it because the second I take it means accepting that this place isn't safe because she's wearing the hat, which she has not been wearing. Not in the last episode, not in 1117. Mm -hmm. She wears it here because she knows deep down he is right, but he, she just doesn't want him to be right. And even I don't think he's right, by the way, but I think she just does accept it. She's a lot like, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. She's a lot like me. I know you're right when you have your criticisms, but there's a part of me that goes, I need to come to that. I need to accept what you're telling me. I'm having a moment. I'm, 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 a, I'm a nine, however old she is, child. <laughs> <laughs> we can debate that forever. But I, yes, I'm a child and sometimes I just need to come around to it. I need a moment. I need to be alone in a church pew or whatever. And, and I'll, I'll be, I'll get on board. You know, we all have our ways. So... <laughs> That we, we found out a lot about me in the last couple seconds, I think. <laughs> but I, I do like how it really, I, and I didn't really notice it before until now, because I was going to approach them separately, the relationship between Pamela and Sebastian and the relationship between Daryl and Judith. And something about the way Max tries to, I mean, what Lance says is you're going to have to be willing to burn it all down. And then look, Sebastian's an asshole. Sebastian caused the deaths of many people, but... Well, just like with Negan, well, you can't ignore intentions. And I feel like intentions are, his intentions were awful. I feel like he thought like he would never be good, so I might as well make my life as a hoodlum. You know, trying to steal money so I could eke out a better existence than what I'm expected to exist But there was something under. really sad about all of it. I wasn't like, I was trying yeah, to couch my comments, my upcoming guy. comments. Screw right. that guy. Like, it wasn't like that. It was like, I felt bad for him. I had some pity for him, and I felt like you are... In a way, you are a victim to your circumstances. Not 100% because you could have chosen to take the right path and do the right thing. And maybe it has to do with meaning to you in real life. I'm not sure. And he's just so damn likable as a person that it's hard to be like, screw that guy. <laughs> I'm fully admitting that it, that's part of it. Yeah. I think it absolutely is because I can sit here and be like, fuck Sebastian. Okay. Like, fuck then I dude. guess meeting Teo in person a, really skewed yeah. my opinion. Now. Well, I mean, I mean, I've met Teo, but I haven't talked to him extensively like, yeah. to the point that you guys have. I mean, we had a conversation the Squawking Dead booth for a few minutes. Oh, yeah, and he is true. a really oh. great guy. He's obviously not I? Sebastian. No, Tao's amazing. <laughs> Tao's amazing. 
But Sebastian's a fucking prick. And I think he was a prick even before the apocalypse. Oh, yeah. I don't doubt that. He was this way his whole life, and his mom has allowed it. His mom has always made excuses. He's always gotten away with everything. If he gets in trouble, and he's like, oh, my friends talked me into it. And Pamela's like, oh, you're right. My my poor boy was coerced. You know, I'm sure that's how his whole life was. What What really bothers me about that, though, is the fact (laughs) that she's so... She's so quick to hit him and then degrade him that I'm like, I'm like, I don't get this. She's more worried about how he's making her look. But then this is what bothers me about this is what bothers me. I see this sometimes in parents. It's like you cannot do that and expect a different result. That's idiotic. You have to change the way that you're parenting. If your kid's a shit, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. but some of that is on you. But Pamela is going to be the type of parent that would never admit that. It's all Sebastian's fault because he's not being what she wants him to be. Which is ridiculous. I told you what I expect. It is. And as a parent, I can tell you I'm I'm victim to this sometimes. I have to remind myself, look, this this isn't working. My tactics aren't working anymore. I can't just keep screaming turn in your homework turn in your homework screaming mm-hmm. and yelling is not working anymore yeah even though just sometimes turn in that's your all you have. <laughs> just, just fucking do it just fucking do it as parents we get to our wits end now granted i don't i'm not sure pamela has tried other avenues she seems like the kind of parent that's really only worried about her image and what things look like not what yeah. they really are yeah well she became the politician she needed to be mm-hmm. because she believed in the well and i think Part of her probably even thought that her father would be around a lot longer to make sure that system would stay in place. But in lieu of that, she believes in the system so much, maybe for her father, maybe legacies do factor in. Mm -hmm. But she believed in the system so much that she couldn't even see the flaws, even though she knows inherently because Lance kind of alludes to it. But maybe she doesn't feel or know the extent to which Lance made her wish possible. I do the things that you don't have to worry about the system. I, I feel like... Pamela doesn't separate or can't separate the system working from Lance having made the system in which she feels like can't fall possible. Yeah, like he's part of the reason she has what she does, but she she says verbatim, it's not for You thought you were in the game. You thought you were in the game, but you're not even a player. I get what you're saying. I feel like she, I don't think there's any any unintentionality though in what she's doing i think she does know that about lance because i think that she uses that to her benefit because she knows that this system keeps her where she is comfortable and so that's why she believes Mm -hmm. in it Mm -hmm. not because her dad set it up not because she feels like it's the right (laughs) system none of that i think it's all about this keeps me where i want to be i get Mm -hmm. pedicures still And my life is fine. And yes, I have stress because my son won't do exactly what I tell him to. He needs to be like his grandfather. Because he's expected to lead. This is the life I want. Yeah. Yeah. But like your son isn't fit to lead. And you know that. You know that he sucks. And instead of going, you know what? I'm going to just let him live the life that he wants to lead, which would have been like the mature choice to do, like to make. She instead is like, no, I'm going to like shoehorn you into this. (laughs) you're gonna do it because there will never be a moment in my life in which I do not have access to all of these resources. It's ridiculous. I don't know that I 100% agree with that. I think she does definitely reap the benefits of leadership. And I feel like she's expect she's like, I had to sacrifice my life of philanthropy or whatever it is that she had to sacrifice to do this. So why shouldn't you? You know, there's a little bit of that going on too, like a little bit of revenge. Like, you know, if I had to do it, you do too. 
Oh, I see. Yeah, they kind of had that conversation yeah. about it. I don't think she can separate. I think she's mashed those two things together. Like, well, you know, this is what I get. This is I'm owed this for having to sideline my shit because that's what everybody requires. But this is how she thinks is what I I'm know. saying. It's not I just, what really I is. Just hate I just hate it. <laughs> I just hate it. I just hate it so much. I really dislike her. I want to give you a little bit of a notch in your corner, though, because I feel like there may be moments where she starts to see and maybe she does with what's happening now. She starts to see that, oh, maybe this isn't perfect. But hey, fuck it anyway. I'm going to now I'm an active participant. I can't unsee what I've seen, but now I don't care. I'm going to double down. I can see that happening. Oh, see, I feel like she definitely knows that things are not good for certain people. The fact that she said that she handpicks the lottery winners led me Mm -hmm. to believe that. I think hands down, she knows exactly what's going on, but she chooses to show a blind eye to it because what does it matter to her? They're just workers. This is what they're supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to lead. My son is supposed to lead. They're supposed to work for me. That's like the thought process. It's disgusting. I mean, this is like, this is classism at its finest. But that's the system she believes in. And, and, you know, to not to her credit, but like in The Walking Dead, you expect fairness and civility to win the day. But it doesn't. That's why the saviors became a thing. And that lasted for however long it lasted. That's why Rick lasted as long as he did until he had to keep adapting, keep adapting, because we think that that's the right system. But it's it doesn't quite work that way. So I try not to almost judge. Like, it's weird to have to look at the Commonwealth for lasting as long as it has lasted to say, okay, yeah, it's not what we would typically attribute to a perfect system. And it's not by far, right? Because it's it's slowly degraded over time to not really match up to what it probably could have been. But like it worked. That's the thing. <laughs> the weird part is that it worked. And she thinks it works, so she keeps going. We live in the Commonwealth every day, all of us. We all go to our drudgy jobs and we play the lottery. Of course, nobody's handpicking as far as we know, but we all live that life every day. And like, we are the workers. We don't rise up and rebel mm-hmm. all the time. You know, it takes something major. It takes a publicized death to motivate the people to rise up. So, I mean, I think this is a pretty accurate depiction of modern society just in a microcosm. There's so much to say to that. But I don't, I actually don't disagree to a certain extent, though. Because it says more about you as an individual, right? You have the choice to do something about it, but you don't. Does that make sense? Like you have you out here in the not walking dead. They could rise up any day and take out the Commonwealth if they wanted to, but they don't want to because they're comfortable too. at least more comfortable than they would be out there. Because Sebastian is right. Yeah, he is right. He's exactly right. Yeah, he was right in his speech. I mean, he was a dick, but like he was right about it. He wasn't wrong. What he said is something that we might say to ourselves any given day. We put up with it and we're pathetic for doing so. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, and but it's, it's harsh. It's but it's, it's like because we're comfortable. Oh, it's not any any worse than what I say to myself. Well, I mean, we're comfortable. At least. Yes, exactly. Compared to some others, we're comfortable. So why rock the boat? Right. Because hey, we're you know to a certain extent we're fed. To a certain extent, we're afforded some luxuries and we're afforded some rights. Well, and it's all work. Change isn't just change. Change, it's change work. is hard. <laughs> It's all work. I mean, we're like just talking about like this trauma therapy, right? Like, and it's all work that I have to put in. I knowingly made that decision and I hate it and I bitch about it every time I do it. Right. (laughs) So, so like, so like, yeah, if I can go to work and eat ice cream and live like an okay life and I'm safe and I'm fine, 
theoretically, then I'm just going <laughs> to stick with it. Every day is a gift, right? Like, but that's kind of what makes and I that's why I love playing with both what Sebastian represents and also says to what Max is doing and says, because I feel like this is maybe just my opinion, but I feel like what they're both doing is just fucking wrong. You want to like what Max is doing. You do. And I do. Like, there's a part of me that, like, is 100% behind her corner until I realize the fact that that change doesn't stick. And if I wanted to harm as many people as possible, I would play that tape. Because it wasn't just the walkers coming out of the pen that Calhoun and Vega, pew, 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 and then they all came out and started terrorizing. It wasn't that. It was what Sebastian had said that was played out on the radio. If you want to burn the system down, then what's what happens to these to these people who were dragged into who, who have no choice but to change? I mean, right. The people as I was thinking, our group has the Midas touch when it comes to tearing down wherever the hell they end up. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. It doesn't matter where yeah. they go. They they tear it down mm-hmm. and they're doing it here, too. They're tearing down the Commonwealth. Oh, and I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, that makes you you know, you guys feel self-righteous and you're doing the right thing. But you're not because you're dooming all of these people who are living here and who don't want to go back out there, who are absolutely positively satisfied to do this every day because they don't have to be out there. And you are well, taking that away from them. incapable. Right. Because they've been behind walls for 12 years. So you're, yep. you're dooming all of these people that you're saving, but you're not saving them. You're going to kill them because where can they go when this all burns down? They're all going to die. Right. And I feel like I don't want to attribute that to our people. Our people are, are really taking that. You feel it across many different couples that are placed on screen. You do feel it with Negan and Annie, Rosita and Gabe. We feel a lot with Judith and Daryl. But you do see it across the spectrum in different scenarios and different levels of comfort. And Ezekiel and Carol, even they have this moment where it's like he's, Ezekiel just won't come out and say it. And so it's like, I, I think I'm going to stay here and maybe help this kingdom stay up for as long as it can, because that's all we can do in life is give people comfort for as long, as long as it, they, we cause he has this like really realistic views. Like, yeah, this place might go down and it probably will, but I'm going to keep it alive as much as I, as much as possible. Even though he's probably one of those contributing factors to maybe burning it down. I don't know, but he feels in his heart when something is wrong, he has to say something, but I don't think he would have done what Max did. He has a second chance to write how what he considers wrongs of the kingdom. He lost the kingdom due to like, you know, it fell into like disrepair and everything that happened. And, and then they ended up losing the kingdom. And that was like, arguably, aside from his relationship with Carol, probably one of his biggest regrets. You could tell right. that he misses that. Not necessarily the leading, because the, he got to take the crown off for a little bit, like eh, pun intended for a little bit to be able to like kind of relax and everything but for him this is a second chance at like maybe this time maybe it won't work maybe it'll be the same thing repeating itself but maybe this time i can stick it out and i can make sure this place succeeds and makes it you know what maybe even him imparting some of his wisdom onto this like here maybe i can help these people not repeat the same mistakes or you know having been there before i can be a part of that solution to keep it up as long as humanly possible. Well, and there's more resources there for people who would know how to make the repairs for the buildings and stuff like that. It wouldn't be the same situation. It wouldn't be him reliving it necessarily. 
yeah, there's there's a lot of specialization in the Commonwealth. It's like mm-hmm. it's kind of like the the argument we had before of like everybody being everything all the time, fighters, bricklayers, bread makers. And it's like a know? dialed back version of himself, right? He used to be the yeah. great king Ezekiel with a tiger at his side, <laughs> and now he's like he's Ezekiel. And he takes care of the rabbits and the goats. You know what I mean? It's like a dialed back version of himself. And I just love, like, I love that for him. (laughs) I really do. I really love that for his character. And as fearful as I have been about what's going to happen to him, if he went out defending this second chance at a kingdom, how beautiful is that ending? Like, (laughs) dramatic pause. Like, it's so poetic. Like, that would be such a a beautiful way to like honor that character. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but, and I'm getting teary eyed thinking about it, but with a kitten, a proud kitten by his side, (laughs) (laughs) a little mini Shiva. Allow me to go back to the point though, is that yes. So I'm not saying Sharon, you're, I feel like Max is the one with the Midas touch in this scenario. I feel like our people are, are ebbing between, Hey, we can just go. We don't have to help these people. And maybe you're right. Like, maybe let's not put our Midas touch on these people. Let's just go. Let's leave them to their own devices. By releasing that article about Sebastian, they they started the crumbling. And I feel like that was the honest, like, okay, if they could have gotten justice for this one thing, it would expose, slowly expose the system for what it was. And may and it didn't have to all burn down all at once. But Max says, I want to keep going. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was like alarm bells ringing in my head. And I was like, how far are you willing to go? Lance says you have to burn it down. And then I think Lance is using, by extension, Max, Eugene, Max's naivete. And he's saying, oh, this bitch has been at Pamela's side this whole time feeling this these feels. And she just wants to burn the shit down. I'm going to take advantage of that. Because it wasn't it Lance that discovered the communications and implanted Stephanie Vega in Max's place. Yeah, I, I didn't know so. who she was. I don't know who in particular found out, but it's well, we know that Vega is Lance's gal, and well, yeah. All of a sudden, you're with this other lady who's calling herself Stephanie. So Lance did pick up on these communications. Guys, I'm gonna say goodnight while we're at sort of a break. I gotta be mm. up at five in the morning, and my brother just called and told us that him and his girlfriend got sideswiped on the highway. Oh, my God. <gasps> what oh God. in the world? What? Yeah. Apparently, there was some guy driving all over, just, like, hitting people. Uh, several calls oh were made no. to the police in the area about what this state vehicle. was he in? I think they're in Colorado still. Oh, oh my God. I'm so yeah. sorry to hear that. I'm glad the they're, I'm, I'm assuming they're both okay. Yeah. Look, yes, everybody yeah, in your family needs the to stay off the road for the next couple a little of days. Dented. Right? Yeah, yeah the it's, birds it's, are not allowed to drive. Everybody's fine. The car's still <laughs> drivable. Every, yeah, but fuck. He's okay. He's all right. You're all right. Yeah, everybody's good. Look how blessed we are to have you. I know, I know it's you're, a lot. I know, Rachel. You go, you're, you go. you're tired, and it's been a really weird week, so... Love you guys. Love you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Bye. Bye. See you soon. When Negan told Carol that he was married and his girlfriend was pregnant or his wife was pregnant, and Carol looked at him like, "Good, another one I why can are kill." You tell- why are you telling me this? <laughs> another one for me to kill. <laughs> <laughs>
No. How do I, how do I unconsciously kill this precious life? Ooh. I'll just put more amniotic fluid in her. Ooh, that's, oh, that's how it man, works, right? I'm, I'm sorry, but Annie is so dead. I mean, like she is like the reddest. Just put a red shirt on her and Poor don't even thing. make it subtle or anything. Just she is like the reddest of red shirts. I honestly thought when she was getting her ultrasound that she didn't have to die. And then she said, we don't have to be here. And then I said, bitch. And Negan's right. He's like, like, you can tell he's agreeing with her to agree with her. But he's like saying the things that say, but Mm -hmm. my dad said, when you have a kid, it's like your life isn't yours. You have to think of that too much amniotic. I want to be a helicopter parent. I'm making sure this kid is never not safe. And so then she said that and I'm like, oh, she's going to be defiant. And like, look, we're, I feel like I'm saying this with everything. I would normally be in her corner. I'm like, yeah, you stand on principle. You, you, yeah, we don't need to be here. <sighs> but no, I don't agree with that. I, I don't, you were with child. You need to think about that shit. As soon as the the doctor lady was like, you have high amniotic fluid. I was like, oh, she's dead. Just just go ahead and kill her now because she's dead. dead. <laughs> just right time of death from now. Yeah. <laughs> time of death this minute. Um. Presthumously. Presthumously. I don't know. I actually thought during that scene, I feel like Annie might live and that Negan is going to die and he's going to sacrifice himself. To save Herschel. That's what I was thinking about during that scene. I was like, how do you give this guy redemption? Like, you can't. You cannot redeem him. He's irredeemable. But, like, the closest that you could get is if he sacrifices his life for Herschel's. Well, and then he must not die because of City of the Dead, which is filming. So... But there's a theory about that. That it's happening. Yep. That it happens during these last eight episodes. And that there's going to be a time jump or some sort. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eh. Yeah. All I know is that just going back to the broader point, rather than the gang thinking that they can solve all these problems and perhaps bring down the the Commonwealth faster, they're really hesitating. They'd be like, we can leave and we can leave this to its own devices and maybe it'll persist. Or some of our characters would be like, but maybe we can be a part of the system and help it just a little bit. And then Max says, fuck all y'all. I'm going to bring this shit, this mother bitch down now because that's what it needs. Apparently. (laughs) I don't know. I've never like, you know, me as a person, I'm like, yeah, screw the man and viva la revolution. And like, I'm like, (laughs) like, so this, the fact that I'm like, but just leave it. And like all those people can live that. That's like against everything in me innately. But like, for some reason, I still feel that way when I watch this, like you're going too far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Viva la revolution, but like calm down. (laughs) But like, "Mm, can you turn it down to one (laughs) instead of 1000 by the end of 1118? It feels like it is all burning down. It feels like, and maybe this is just where they want us right now. Well, can we just talk about like the elephant in the room? Sebastian's dead. Dead. <laughs> like, right. Like my exact words to Sharon D last night were holy shit. <laughs> holy <laughs> shit. I just got to the part where Sebastian dies. That throws off so many theories. I'm so happy. I'm, I'm I mean, so I am happy. too. I'm glad that it's not playing out exactly like the comics because why would we just want to retread 
the same thing. The whole show has been different than the comics. There's been elements that have been similar, but it's all been different, right? right? This is a major departure. Yeah, from, which is good. I, and I, I don't know if I even mentioned this, but I, I feel like I played this out in my head a million times. I'm so happy that they've diverged from the comics. Now, there's no telling who they might replace Sebastian with, but there's a part of me that's just like, I'm almost glad that it's not him. That the people almost got what they want, and that might be worse. They saw the source of their problems, and they themselves could have said, hey, it's a commentary on both people and Sebastian, too. Like, okay, Uh, your debt debt is due. Your, Your payment is due. I'm not sad that Sebastian died, in a way. Like, there's a part of me that says, this makes sense. But there's another part of me that says, but what does it say about us, the great Commonwealth citizens, that we would allow a citizen even like that to die? Are we that desensitized from life and death? How fitting is this? It brings me back to the Boondock Saints. There's that whole story that they tell in the Boondock Saints about the indifference of good men. It's all about uh, that woman, Kitty, who lived in that apartment in New York. This is like a famous story where like she was being murdered. Suppose apparently the story isn't correct, but she was in being Forest Hills, Queens. Yes, she was being murdered yeah. and everybody saw it happening and nobody did anything to stop it because there becomes like this like fear of, well, I don't want to get involved because I don't want to put myself in danger or whatever. What is it? It's something about the indifference of good men. E- evil exists when good men do nothing, yes. essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. For anybody that doesn't know, The Boondock Saints is like a one, an amazing film starring Norman Reedus, Sean Patrick Flannery, Flannery and Willem Dafoe. And one of Willem Dafoe's arguably one of his best performances of all time. Woof. There are some <laughs> there are some good scenes in that with him. Super weird, but great. And it had Norman Reedus in it. And that's when I fell in love with him when I was in high school. And I was like, oh, my God, he's so dreamy. He's he's like the younger one. I can like hardly see his eyes. He's so dreamy. (laughs) (laughs) And then I married someone who's constantly squinty. I don't know what to say to that. Oh, I see. She has a type. I do. Squinty. Clearly not dead, but clearly squinty. Not dead. <laughs> I, I guess. Not it's dead, a thing. but like if you have long hair and kind of squinty. He opens his eyes as wide as he can. And <laughs> you talk like down here, then probably you're uh, for me. <laughs> vacancy. What? There's no <laughs> vacancy. Kidding. No vacancy. No, there's no, no vacancy. Yeah, there's an anchor on that ship. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> not that anyone is interested. Everyone's like, thank God I'm not her type. <laughs> you haven't seen my DMs. I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding. People are, te- people are sliding into your DMs so, to talk about me. Is she, yeah, is she a, I just don't know. I mean, my eyes are my eyes squinty enough? <laughs> and the answer is probably not. Probably not. Right, right. I mean, I'll, I'll send them your way, but some of them. Probably I not. Mean, I don't know. You gotta be Contenders. looking like French Stewart in um, Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> yep, that's Third my Rock type. The, ooh, ooh. <laughs> that's French my Stewart. man. Yeah, I hope you're wearing a fur coat too, baby. <laughs> baby. <laughs> Rachel wanted us to be sure we brought up the Freddy Krueger walker. Yep. There we go. Freddy Krueger Walker. We I, I just mean, did, brought it did up. Did you? I, I, I thought about it when I first saw it. I was like, that kind of looks like Freddy Krueger. And then when I saw the behind the scenes, like it is the red and green sweater and the, yeah, the burned yeah. marbly face. I was trying to freeze frame the shot to see if we could see the glove, mm-hmm. quote unquote, but I, I couldn't see it. Finally, and- all of my mentions 
of welcome to primetime bitch are valid <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> on this podcast it was all related i just i knew i was gonna say until your boyfriend bashed him in the head and your dreams are dashed you know it's like love love is hard love is yeah <laughs> love is like sometimes <laughs> this, bridget this pain makes you stronger <laughs> I wonder so if dumb. they're like foreshadowing so what's going to happen to Lance, you know, because Freddie was killed to protect all of the kids in the neighborhood and they're going to kill Lance mm. to protect all of the kids. So maybe they're going to like fucking douse them in oil and set them on fire or something. But yeah, but that's, uh, you know, what? and that's so bringing it back to Sebastian, I feel like I don't know this how is I the weird about that. <laughs> I was no, no, just no, like, that's, oh, we're cranking it back to a thousand again. Like, right. So okay. but that's the. <laughs> That's what I was like saying. Okay. Like we're blowing our, the Commonwealth is blowing their wad on Sebastian, their moral wad. <laughs> Work with me here, and they <laughs> this is the and they spent <laughs> and they spent it all on Sebastian when clearly there's a bigger threat. When clearly they should have put Lansby. it in the spank bank. Clearly, you just there. I went with it. I went with it. Well, and his name is Lance Hornsby, so. <laughs> Lance Horny's B for the porn version of this. Right. It is a picture of a trumpet with a bee playing it. <laughs> with a heart on. A stinger, rather. What Sorry. What is this? What just happened? I just fixed your obvious. Okay, anyway. Right. I just, someone, where did we go wrong? Someone is into the B movie like a little too much. Let's get the Photoshop skills going. Or non skills. out some Shakespeare with some Taming of the Shrew. Oh, talking about the bee with the tongue and the tail. And <laughs> so where the birds and the bees from. <sighs> anyway. Okay, going back to the point. They've spent all their moral indignation. Let's... I'm not editing the last thing at all. I know. But they, sp- they spent all their moral indignation on taking it on on Sebastian that they don't have any leftover for the possibility that, that they don't even know of. They, yes, they know that Lance was captured and she's brought to justice, but will he receive justice, especially in light of the schemes that he has, has in store, the chaos that he's trying to sow so that he can take over taking advantage of a hole in the system that requires a vacuum that would enter like, Hey, you have Pamela. She fucked you. And she tried to pin this shit on me because Sebastian's a great scapegoat now. And now he can move in on that territory explaining, hey, I have alliances with this, that and the other. I'm the one who kept this is something that I've said in, in our coverage of B. I have all these alliances. I'm the one who really kept the Commonwealth up and running. There's mismanagement. Nobody's doing their job. I would make sure that you were fed. I have the confidence of the troops, not like even Captain Dipshit over here, General Dipshit over here, who just keeps screwing things up and not being there when you need him, even though you love him so much. I feel bad for the Commonwealth in a sense. Like, yeah, of course, I I feel like there were moments with Sebastian and Max where like Max, of course, came into this knowing she was going to fuck this whole thing up. But like we sacrificed one individual, Sebastian, and there were moments where he he looks straight at Max when he says, but I'm going to turn it over to somebody who can say those words far better than I can. Like he felt in that moment that he was like, you know, your your conversation with me straightened me out a little bit. I got out what I felt like I needed to get out. 
to go along and he's looking straight at Max and says, but you know, I'm going to turn it to somebody who can say these words better than me. Like, Oh my God, she reached Mm -hmm. him in a weird roundabout way, especially with her parting shot that said, you know, you act like an asshole. You You, you act like a spoiled child because that's what every, to be an asshole. Everyone expects it. So who's left to disappoint? If you keep doing it to everybody, of course you're going to be that. So that one moment where he says, Oh, I'm not going to be that. And she says, I don't fucking care. Mm. You're going to die, well, bitch. You know, in this universe, if you show any kind of redemption or moral turnaround, you're going to die immediately. So I had the feeling I was like, oh, he got it. And now he's going to turn around a little bit and be a better person or try to be a better person. But nope, he's going to die because he turned over a moral leaf. So bye bye, Sebastian. Does this yeah. mean that Rachel is attracted to him now? Bye bye, <laughs> little Sebastian. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling not, <laughs> given what she said earlier. Oh, no. But, yeah. Your oh, 15,000 candles in the wind. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. <sighs> but I challenge anybody to not give Sebastian the slack that we all gave Negan. <sighs> it's really hard to compare the two because Negan's intentions had the kernel of trying to help people. The kernel of trying to help people. Sebastian was only in it for himself. He didn't have the swagger, so he said, fuck it, I'll just be what people expect me to be. Or at least my mother. Because if my mother sees me this way, of course everyone sees me. He says it in his speech. He says, I know you don't think highly of me. I don't think you... I know I have a lot to make up for. Meaning, he doesn't know that really. But like after everything that's happened now, at least, you know... That's what make this, makes this really a little like sad. And I love the complexity that they brought in here, that he could have leaned full in the whole time. But they, they had these glimmers. The, every moment with he and Max was a glimmer. I, oddly enough, with he and Max, the person that probably hates him the most out of everybody is where you see these glimmers of humanity, him being drunk just before the news dropped. That moment where you're like, well, what else is there? fuck it. Everybody hates me. My mom hates me. What else is there for me to do? And then the news comes out and it's just like he has to go into hiding. I mean, well done, The Walking Dead and well done, Tao Rappelson. He smuggled in a little of that getting you to think twice enough to be like, let's talk about this. There is a Dave reacts. I don't know if we're going to I'm going to release it, but I literally clapped at the end of his death. I'm like, you had a soliloquy moment. You had a moment with Max. You had this moment with the public and you had a shitbag moment where where you're like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> that's great. Which, you know, that's complexity. There's like there's a lot. Of, it's not a one note thing. And I, I enjoyed it. And I I felt like heartened by that. He got these moments to flex a little bit to show the different petals of his flower is acting flower more than just this fucking shithead. Yeah. 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 It was very satisfying to see him die on one level, but it was also satisfying to see him not go into the night quietly in his own way, in his own special, not one note way. According to the writers, it was only going to ever end up being that way. But he brought he smuggled in like, I'm not I'm not going to go without getting you to think a little bit about this character and what it means for him to die the way he did. What he could have been that was smuggled too soon. He was snuffed out too soon. You know, we give Negan so much rope. Did we not leave any for anybody else to to have a redemption? I don't know. You know, what does it say about us that we relish in his death? I don't I don't know. The cinematography was spot on especially the shot of the overhead of Mercer and Rosita and the other Jeeps 
And as they showed, the, as they left, oh. went the other way, and it showed the herd splitting into and following them. Like that fucking shot was awesome. It was beautiful, and there was something really special about that whole interaction. Angela King touched on it in the episode or insider. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so where she said Mercer can obviously trust Rosie, and that that was very clear. But I just, I just loved that interaction between the two of them and how how rosita was so honest in that this this i'm fine with that in there no that makes sense right she was out in it for so long it's the human drama that becomes the burden difficult yeah so i really Which is like why that. she and gabriel work so fucking well i've always contended this like gabriel obviously has the animal in him right they had that part of him that needs to come out to protect the people he loves but he has a better grasp at separating the two rosita it does. And this is what I've said. I, I knew this is one of the things I definitely wanted to say when we came back is that the sad part about Rosita as a character is that there were so many interesting opportunities to flesh out her character, to give a give her a little bit more backstory here or to talk about life on the road with Abraham and Eugene here or, the, or her life before, which there were some things that were mentioned, uh, mentions of family, etc. There were opportunities here to say more. This was what I wanted. That little bit of like, I'm better out here and I know it. This is what I'm good at in here. I can't solve what's bad. What's in here. This is bigger than me. And it's not what I'm good at. I know where I'm useful and I know where I'm not useful. I know what I feel I need to not do because I'm not getting involved in this shit. <laughs> so I like that. Yeah. I like that we get more out of her and I hope that we get more out of her. The special effects were killer too. in the body ripping scene. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. It was, it was sick. I loved it. It was so, it was so good. There's just something to be said about practical effects that just cannot be replicated by CGI. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Just not there. Even like the dummy of the Commonwealth soldier's head in one of the shots just after it was ripped apart the first time when Negan comes out his whist with his whisper mask and stabs the guy, blah, blah, blah. Like just the scene after that where you see the Commonwealth soldier's head on the side. And I may include a screenshot here, but like with the eyes out. And it's just it's just so good. It's so good to get so many of those shots in these episodes. They've found a really good blend of using blend of you. Well, of using CGI when it's easy and when it's when it fits and the practical, which is obviously what Nicotero's really great at, especially as someone who's like really a horror fan. <laughs> like like yeah. really deep we, down a horror fan. We we fed. Yeah, we, we, we ate well <laughs> these episodes. Speaking of special effects, though. Or sorry, cinematography in specific. One of the shots I really adored most was of the church when Gabriel does his last sermon. Like that sh that one shot of him looking at Rosita with the candle in front of him and the couple candles in back of him. He really lined, it up, lined up the moment and really accentuated what everybody has been saying throughout this entire episode. But like what he specifically said, you know, I was on the brink. Think back to 11B where he's facing off against the Reaper preacher. That was his like the moment where he could have jumped into the abyss like he was talking about like this is what we do for for whom we do it for and the the reaper preacher says i can be with you blah blah blah. i can just take my hand and he doesn't and he rips into him he's be like it just it just takes him down mancia right mm -hmm. was his name yeah father mancia right and he takes him down anyway and what he's describing is from that point on my parishioners i gave to them but that was me in a way faking it to like i made it and they brought me back from where I was. And they gave me so much before they gave me so much. Like that little line at the end of season eight, you know, when he 
His fever broke and his eye, he figured his eye was blind. That was a very touching scene. But in it, there were two little bits of Bible study that we, from both Old Testament and New Testament. One of which was obviously the sign before the church, which was from Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. And it talks about each, each individual one. So he says, uh, let me just say the whole thing. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And it wrote in big letters, none of these are present in Maxine right now. <laughs> Just because I thought the big get with this whole thing was patience. And then from that part, I kind of looked at all the other ones. Because one of the big things when I read up on this, and this is on bookdown.org slash Kevin Morales 2114. <laughs> he talks about the fruit of the spirit. Let's go through each one of them because each one is telling love in this context means self-sacrificial love, devotion. Joy is, according to MacArthur, joy is the happiness produced by the divine, the unchanging nature of the promises of God, etc. Peace is the calm feeling we experience when God, by his grace, calls us his family. Religion is the only thing that, that can give this to you. It's a gift you give yourself, essentially. Patience, long-suffering long patience, is defined the ability and willingness to endure painful, irritating, quote-unquote, circumstances. Max. And maybe she ran out of patience. Fine. Whatever. Kindness refers to the tenderness manifested in someone when he or she treats others with respect and consideration. So it's like not just thinking of yourself. And sure, you can apply that to Max, and she's thinking of other people, but maybe she's also thinking a little bit about herself. And her impatience and wanting this to die. Sorry, I keep bringing it back to her because it's a good foil for this. Because it's also a good foil for the people that he claims helped him. He's using th these words as his last sermon, or at least the words that were on the board. Goodness refers to excellence and character shown through means of work and kindness. And faithfulness refers to being loyal, loyal and trustworthy, mentioning the book of Job also. He, he wants us to show the faithfulness exa uh, exemplifies in scripture since this is his distinguishing trait of those who belong to Jesus. Gentleness. That means we show tenderness and consideration for others, also being submissive to God, seeking no revenge. So gentleness, avoiding seeking revenge. You can't smuggle in revenge to your cause for peace or your cause for justice, which clearly had she listened to what he said, she may have thought maybe with gentleness, not Eugene, don't push the button. Maybe there's something there that we can work with. Nope. Fuck that. Fuck that bitch. He's never going to see justice. Bye. And then there's self-control. <laughs> that was the clincher. Yep. I was like, this means we must not follow after impulses or unholy desires. We must stay sober at all times. Well, I don't know if I believe that, but when you take all of these attributes that are on the board in the sign in front of the church is you put them all together. Let's just take all the little bits and look at it from a distance. And the show is trying to tell us something that maybe on an individual level, but maybe also on a group level that when we approach these situations, it's not always going to be, fuck you. I have a gun out there. It's my hunger versus your, your food and who's going to win. We're in the Commonwealth now. There are good people here. There are people that you need to consider other than the principle of justice, let's say. And maybe there's another way of going about this. I don't know. But there is at least a nugget where you can think and transpose some of this stuff to what's happening in this episode. I don't know how much of it we can. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not claiming that this is the answer. But what I am saying is that it does make you think. What was the other portion? Well, the thing he actually says as his last sermon is from the Old Testament. And that's from Dvarim, which is Deuteronomy. It's 31, 5 through 6. 
You shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes to you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Now, bringing it back to my Baba class, the Lord says this. At a time where the Jews are taking the census, they're taking account of all the tribes. Now, when they do this, they all gather together so that their numbers in each tribe can be counted. There's a significance that in that don't come to me just showing up. Come to me affirming that you are keeping my commandments and in you keeping my commandments, you've already done the job of forsaking idols, idolatry. You're already on the path of being united. When you come together in common cause for, let's say for me, you're already united in something, in an idea that is me, which could mean a lot of things. But the fact that you do that in service of me means that you forsake already some pretty big ticket shitty things and that you are together united under me you are united as a whole people though we are counting you as individuals we are also counting you as one it makes sense there's a correlation between those two if you're united with god you reap the the fruit fruit of the spirit so it makes sense from a theological like i'm giving a sermon (laughs) standpoint it makes sense that that gaby ain't no slouch (laughs) and they've done this time after time they love the marriage of the walls of jericho which clearly is old testament it's it's the prophets the marriage of old testament with new testament there's the marriage of the old world which in with within which we were living that was harsh (laughs) like the old testament and then the new world of the new testament where okay well you know, we're moving in a different direction. Let's talk about kindness and forgiveness and, and devotion and the benefits of devotion. Things may be good. Don't forget that when things are good to think of me or, or else mm-hmm. the things that are good taste like ash in your mouth, that sort of thing, you know? So you can't always think of me when things are, are, are good or bad. You have to think of me when things are good. This is what we talked about in 11 V. Well, in the concept of treating others, it's the golden rule, right? Like love others as I have loved you is it's a Talmudic there's a very famous story in the talmud about a non-believer coming up to rabbi hillel and he says come on rabbi teach me the whole torah standing on one foot and he says all right golden rule do unto others as you would do yourself as you you know what i mean i feel like joe biden right now (laughs) i feel like do unto others that which you would not want done to you so you know like do you know you know what i'm saying yeah from there that's where you learn everything else but this is the core of it. Start from there, work your way up. I also took the whole census taking United under one cause, under a principle to also take the moment, like as we have been doing this episode of looking, yes, we can look at Sebastian, but we can also look at Max. Yes, we can look at Max and judge her based on the fruits, (laughs) but we can also look at this United under one banner as Pamela. Like you said, Bridget, I do not discount what you've said because I've thought it. It could be a commentary on Pamela Milton. What was this supposed to be about, Pamela? Is this about, like what Mercer was saying, I am here to protect the Commonwealth, not just you. Or is it about just you? I think arguably in her mind, she is the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth, right. So where did it get away from you? When did this become about helping people and Founders Day? The words that... President Milton says, he says, today is a day of remembrance for all those who died in the founding of this commonwealth, the census almost, their courage and grit fortify our walls, protecting our families, the future and America itself. But when did that stop being the reason that we celebrate this day? She confused it. It was 
all about celebrating her dad. To be fair, he's a politician. So was that ever really the case? <laughs> like, sure, but, that was the pretense in which he presented, you know, that he presented to the people. But I, we could argue that he's a scumbag, too. Or and, it, that, and it may well be. Yeah. It may well be. She even mentioned mentions it in one of the episodes. I think it was eighteen. My father was like that. My oh yeah, that they needed her, to like her brother was they needed like to like sow their wild oats before they would. Right. But like by that, be a shitbag apparently for like a really the long time or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And we can make that commentary about even the greatest people that we've ever known in politics in the history of politics. As far as textbooks can tell us, they all in one sense been fallible but what does that matter going back to the passage in deuteronomy we all have our foibles but as long as we still believe in the ideal we can be faulted for making mistakes as long as we are all united under a specific ideal whether or not we believe in that ideal wholeheartedly we at least do the ideal you know but the second we stop thinking about that ideal as something that is even real Sometimes we we don't even believe the thing that we believe in, but we lean into it because what else is there? And sometimes that's okay because we've said this on the show many times before. The bills get paid. People get fed. People can exist and maybe things can get better if we lean into a promise or an ideal or a system based on that ideal. And maybe politicians from time immemorial will say the things that need to be said in order to keep that system running. But this it's the idea that keeps us going. We don't believe in those people. We believe in the ideals. People just get in the way sometimes. But the ideal persists. But the second that Pamela makes it about her, and that becomes apparent, and it feels like it's becoming apparent in the next episode, because somebody has to pay for Sebastian's death. Not Sebastian, who was trying to throw Maxine on that walker, which, in case you had any misgivings about Sebastian, like I almost did, so I was like, okay, well, I guess he can die now because I, I guess I can be okay with that. Because that was like, you bitch, wasn't enough. Oh, oh, I have this great idea that people on this show have done in time immemorial. Like, let's Otis this bitch. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> Aiden's take number two. Hey guys, this is my take for 1118. So for this, I want to ask you what your thoughts were on the scene where Lance Hornsby basically threatens Pamela saying, very powerful allies are going to be upset. Upon my first watch, I didn't think anything of it. Second watch, I was like, you know, he specifically used the word powerful. Could this be a way to bring in warrant officer Jada Stokes? I think that would be a cool way to tie in the series because I think we're all focused on like spinoff territory now, but for fans who come to this universe later on and just watch The Walking Dead before they even know it has spinoffs, that'll be a very big plot hole to never see Jadis and Rick again. So could they bring her back as a way to finish up The Walking Dead story just as a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hey, there is more to this story that maybe fans can then look into afterwards instead of it just feeling like those two characters just left and never came back to the show. I know Sharon has a lot to say about that. <laughs> I mean, it, I think uh, Jadis had come back in live with Rick before the end of the series. <laughs> well, that'll that'll ruin everything for us. Oh, no, <laughs> no more Walking Dead fans. <laughs> Except for Sharon, I, mean, I, I guess. I didn't think about that, but I suppose it could be the CRM that are the powerful friends. But it could also have something to do with Primrose and that group that was in Ohio when the world went down, blah, 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 that we, I theorize, maybe is the start of the Commonwealth. Maybe it's something separate, and that's the powerful allies they're talking about. 
I thought it was right. um, in reference to the heroin. Yeah, but I wouldn't really qualify that guy as being a powerful ally or a person. But I don't think he said no. powerful, though. No, he didn't. He didn't. That's I wanted to correct Aiden on that. Yeah, it wasn't his, powerful, but he said. I mean, I get alliances. where I get where he got that from because, like, that I think it was easy to read that, but that was something that she had become reliant on. That's what it made me feel like it was, and so that's why I kind of assumed it was. But also, plus, like, why did they insert that into the story if we're never going to see it again? It plays again. It has to. If it doesn't, right. it's like really weird. But it also goes to what. And why was Lance shipping off weapons to whom and where? We never really got the answer to that. Yeah. Why is Caravans got attacked by Leah? What was all that for? Yeah. So that'll that'll be interesting to see like so how, all that, all, that how all that plays out. Lance has like his own like Nicaragua Contra thing oh, where where he's trading weapons, the drugs for the weapons, and then sending the weapons to rebels or something like that. I mean, maybe well, that's that's sort of what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Like he was prepping for a takeover he was gonna find a reason and he found that reason in sebastian and he planted all the evidence that he needed with takani clearly that was lance right well he still don't know technically i feel like it was with lance. all the names and decoding the things <laughs> that's why he's also mad that hilltop alexander and oceanside turned against him because like they're such capable fighters and i think he realizes that in knowing the people that came from that area like these people are all very capable so they would be good people to have on my side should i right. choose to overthrow the current government i mean talk about hiding in plain sight that's probably why he wanted they wanted lance or that's why lance wanted those communities to be able to be another yet another alliance and maybe that's the reason and it's pretty smart if you bring in all these alliances you can either pull them all together, give them a promise of trade and have people, some people stay, some people, representatives go to the Commonwealth, or if need be, I can play them against each other because if one tries to take over what I've got going, I have the option of playing all these people against each other. But either way, I find a reason to get in. I take over the communities, not by force, but by persuasion, and then say, hey, and I've brought in all these wonderful communities to help keep the Commonwealth alive. They believe in the promise, too. Yeah. Could this of all, could this be the uh, CRM? Should, could be. Could be. But could this be like other communities, other, was it fingers and in, in other pies, that sort of thing? Could this be that, too, that we don't even know of? Mayhaps. Anything's possible. And also, I, I know that there have been many articles coming out lately spoiling the end or like threatening to spoil the end i feel like somebody had mentioned a time jump that was going to happen in this uh final eight i suppose so anything is possible right well yeah i don't really read too much into that stuff though, either. Mm, yeah i've been trying to avoid it myself so first of all thank you for joining us in this double header we could only do so much we can't always talk about everything we always we can't always link simple things like jerry running away from calhoun and sheila to anything great it's, it was nice to watch a lot of 17 was like that by the way was that scott who helped block the picket no not kenrick it oh, was okay. uh jimmy mcafee was one of them okay one I, of the background like, actors. As, as they went by i was like wait i couldn't see that guy's face he's tall was that scott <laughs> well and another one of the background actors mario is He's kind of TWD family, but he's also he also got a background acting part. So there's a lot of people from the TWD family who are in the background who helped Jerry out. They did like this human blockade and blocked Calhoun and Sheila. So that's cool, but it's not much meat to really be able to dig into, which was a lot of 1117. But 
these two episodes do play very well together. I'm glad we got to cover them together because there wasn't much to say for the first one, but a lot to say about the second one and how our gang feels about having to leave or having to stay and fix things. So if you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash dead. Leave us five stars and eggplant. Let us know what you liked. Let us know what you didn't like. Let us know what we forgot. There's going to be a lot of that. But let us know after every episode, we will post your feedback to our social media. And if you really like what we're doing and you want to be a part of how these episodes shake out, you want to know when we record, you want to know when our unedited episodes drop early so that you don't have to wait for the finished product and get all these fun little tidbits and not so fun little tidbits before, during and after. Well, why don't you create an account on both ko-fi.com and patreon.com and just follow us on ko-fi.com slash squawking dead or patreon.com slash squawking dead we don't post these things on social media that's the only place we post this information but if you like what we're doing you can tip us on ko-fi.com slash squawking dead for 30 days of supported back content or you can join a membership tier on either Patreon or Kofi for as little as a dollar, by the way, on Kofi and as little as five dollars on Patreon. <laughs> and the party just keeps going. Both have Discord access for you to enjoy. Like I said, somewhere in the middle of this podcast, Patreon has some really great perks. Should you decide to join us on Patreon? If you've been holding back before, head over to Patreon.com slash Dead. Take a look at what we have to offer and think about joining our journey there at the very least. So... Without further ado, I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Cosmon09, Rachel Burt, who had to leave early, unfortunately, Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget, ko-fi.com slash punky brewster. That's P-O-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening and watching and enjoying what we have to offer. I humbly invite you to join us next time, where we'll be talking about 1119, uh, which will be a while, <laughs> but we'll see you later. <laughs> Take care. We'll at least have one episode to do, and we'll see you very soon. Bye. Thank you again for making it to the end of this episode, covering both episodes 17 and 18 of The Walking Dead's 11th and final season, as well as getting the last word from Teo Rap Olsen as we say goodbye to his character, Sebastian Milton. As usual, at the end of these episodes, I love to give a shout out to our survivors and whispers here members who support us on both ko-fi.com slash squawkingdead and patreon.com slash squawkingdead. Let's start with the survivors here members, Eliza Jones, Eliza Jones 71 on Instagram, and jonesaj6 on twitter jasmine jasmine.iac on instagram fanartlindy ko-fi.com slash fanartlindy linda jennings admin of the facebook group walking dead is freaking amazing and ryan at real ryan gm on twitter and on to our whispers here members judith at judith.morton on instagram aiden atkin who is ko-fi.com slash aiden atkin at tyler philip cox on both instagram and Twitter, Alania at Frosted Angel 67 on Twitter, Sandy at Sandy.D.Morrison on Facebook, J13 Voorhees on both Instagram and Twitter, at MRTNYVet on Twitter. Before I go, please remember the new design is in our merch store. We'll be updating the merch store to include a couple new logo designs as well, modeled after the third trimester of The Walking Dead's 11th and final season, totaling three new designs, one art design and two logo designs. Know that all of these will be on sale for the next couple days, so have at it. 
You can get to our merch store easily by heading to squawkingdead.com, clicking the main menu in the top left, and choosing merch. Take care, everyone. Hope to see you soon in the next one. And remember, if you like what you hear, always head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead and leave us five stars in an eggplant. It's all we need to know that you love us, but use it as a means to communicate your thoughts on our coverage, specifically when it comes to certain episodes. Get specific. Tell us what you liked about a particular moment in our podcast. What made you laugh? What made you cry? What made you upset? But remember to tell us after every episode. We'll see you very soon. Bye.